What are these, Chad? So guys, do we think John Popper could play the harmonica like that if he was having sex in high school? You know what? I, can he play it now as good since he is not... It, it takes... It almost feels like you got to be a fat guy to I'm, give that much into the singing in the harmonica. I know he's lost a lot of weight. Uh, yo, he still plays it. He still shreds it. But I'm just saying, when he's in high school, he had all that time to dedicate to playing the, the harmonica. And he didn't have that time to chase some pussy around. <laughs> most of the guys who who were good at uh, they they weren't the most like attractive that. dudes. They, they just weren't the most. They didn't get out as much. Well, hey, and we are back for another week of SBS Fly Fishing Podcast. And hey, guys, I want to say sorry for last week. We uh we probably turned off a lot of people that uh that had their wives listening to the show. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I want to say sorry. That was a. Uh, a, a little bit of an outside-the-box show. Hey, Chad, Chad, that would be like, what, what do they call that? Domestic abuse. Don't make your wife listen to this shit. No! But, uh, so, tonight, 
boys and girl, because I'm sure there's still one listening. Open your history books. We got a real live fly fishing historian coming on the show tonight. Uh, Mr. Bill Shear from We Tie It Fly Fishing is coming on to talk about the history of muskie on the fly. God, I can't wait to talk to this dude. Pick his brain a little bit. And we're going to mention some of our sponsors here real quick. want to thank, check out. Predator. Oh, you're giving me the weirdest look in the world, Mark. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. I was expecting you to do something, and also it's just nothing. Oh yeah, and then you're like looking at me. I'm like, check right, out. What, what are we doing here? Chad, Chad ran out of air. He yeah. was harmonicking too fucking long. Uh, I know the music guy go down a little bit. He's just staring at me. So I was doing the air harmonica. He ran out of words to say is what what we meant to say. But this show brought to you by Predator your, Fly Gear. Your Predator shirt. Fly Gear. I'll go with that one. That's a pretty good one. I got. It's a nice. I've predator. been rocking the sun gear right now. I got the pursuing Esox, I think, on the back. It's the artwork's dope. I've been trying to keep this one clean so I could, you know, look at least a little respectable sometimes. And getting down and dirty in in my other one. So and it's been helping me out keep away from the sun because it's been battering me lately. Check them out. Predatorflygear.com. Tonight's show is being brought to us live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check them out at urbanflycompany.com. Yeah, we're tied on A-Rex Hooks. Find them arexhooks.com. Sims Fishing. Simsfishing.com. Also, Yeti, check them out. Go for the wild. Hey, and why not fishing? Check out their app, The Dock. It's a great group of guys. And our uh, good buddy Ryan at Queen City Guiding. Ryan Evans can give you a fun day fishing all through the season. Check him out. QC, is it is it Queen City Guiding spelled out? Queen dot City com. Guiding, all spelled out, dot com. If you have any questions, check the notes in the show. I uh, There's a hot link to it. Did you guys, I know there was a couple weeks ago, uh, not to go back too far, but did you guys talk about that float trip at all, about him catching that big fish right in front of the big, that nice sign? Mm-hmm. Were you here? I wasn't here that day. I was up at camp. I w- one, that's uh, why I, was, uh, I wasn't sure if Jace or anybody else talked about the float trip. Yeah, you hit or on it a little it. bit. With him. Where did we go fishing? Yeah. Evans uh, came down. No, we didn't talk back. about it because you weren't here. Okay. I didn't know if he, you guys had mentioned it. I mean, he went down the river on a float trip. You know, we'd been pulling a lot of big smallmouth. Uh, the size wasn't there that day, but we'd caught quite a few. Getting down, Dad, you know, first thing, Dad had laser focus like always, you know. Evans and I were a little slow out of the gate. I was rowing, but, you know. You're talking about finishing up that trip that day where he got a good fish? Yeah. Oh yeah, that, we've talked about it. Did we? Yeah, okay, yeah we yeah. mentioned okay. that. Uh, that was when I, I thought I was out of there, town guys, that my we, weekend. That we didn't get to talk. No, about no, it. you guys, you were putting a hammer on him that day, but like you said, wasn't wasn't the size. And we fished the day before that. Me and him, Fisher, dude. Okay, fishing's yeah, been a little. Okay, fishing's okay, been on sure. or off here. It's like the remember. days you go, it's good, and the days off yesterday. Eh, I was off this morning. It was off a couple of days for me. I don't talk about those days. We're consistency now. And you know, and it, just like in winter, whenever mm-hmm. you sit over the ice, sure. and it gets to 30 degrees it with hit, sun for seven straight days. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to that third day, them fish are done. Yeah, We're getting the same thing here. We're getting bright blue sunny skies, 80 degrees, and then we'll get a hammering thunderstorm. Our water, right back to bright blue water skies, table 80. is low here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we need some more water. We need that, that we, kind we of need something to change. We need oh, something. Yeah. To, we need something to do something. Which is something in a barometer to move or something. Well, Chad hit a little barometer. Uh, you know, a little spike in the barometer. You even called me. You're like, dude, we got to get out on this front. No, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday because I remember I cut my grass. Yeah, it was the day I 
I worked that day. I had Thursday off because I was grieving. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Wednesday, I, I got off work. And we sat around the pool for, like, an hour, drank a couple beers. And the sky got pitch black. I said, Ashley, I have to go now. She said, why? Where, where are you going to go? I said, that barometer's dropping, babe. I got to go now. I said, I don't have to work tomorrow. I might as well go and catch some fish. Okay. So I walked next door to my house, picked up my truck. I called Jay. I said, Jay, you still at the shop? He said, yeah, I'm at the shop. Why? What's up? I said, well, I'm going fishing, like, right now. I'll pick you up. Oh, I can't. I got to mow grass. I got I to gotta leave in, like, eight days. So he had to mow grass twice before he left, obviously. So I did. <laughs> I do. He missed a freaking epic day, man. Oh, I, was, I knew it was no, going to be. No, Chad, you called me, too. I was like, eh, I don't think so. And he was going because of a reason. I usually just go for fun. I'll tell you what. I got there, and I, I looked at the river. I said, Man, it looks a little bit high. It did look high that day. I it, drove over it. It did. So I walked across the river. I said, whoa, it's moving. It's moving something fast. About waist high there? Uh, yeah, waist high but pushing. Yeah. So I got the whole way across. I caught three fish and three consecutive casts. And then, uh, like I said, I was, I'm in that wedding in the corner pocket or... Yeah, right in the corner pocket. They were in the fast water, <coughs> and I saw them. They would shoot out of the fast water into the clear water mm-hmm. and smash a fly. So I could see them eating, and then the second one grabbed the fly and jumped totally out of the water. Like, totally porpoised. Or totally breached, I guess it would be. But uh, Oh, yeah, the Eric's is in his face. It Dude, was. It's hurting him. But uh, <clears throat> I, I'm in that wedding in October, and uh, one of the other... There's like four best men in the wedding. That's that's how it goes. Uh, he called me. He said, we were talking about the, the bachelor party. Because that's what you want to talk about where you're on the, the river catching fish. <laughs> you know? Talk about bachelor parties. And then once I, I hung up with him, I, uh, I I made two more casts and then caught a fourth fish. I was like, all right. Twelve casts, four fish. I walked back across. I was like, God, this is really pushing. I pulled my phone out and looked. It was 1100 CFS. It it wasn't the 650 that it had been. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. So uh, I vowed to never do that again by myself at 1100 CFS. I thought that's what... Isn't that what we were doing it at the beginning of the year that in the was, spring? That was nine. Nine? Yeah. So it it was... I don't know. I, I was a little You can nervous. walk out the other side. like It was probably like, seven at one then. Right? I, I no, it, this was a, from a heavy... I think we had heavy rain. Yeah. We had downpour, man. I had some serious rain at my house this week. Just one oh, day. Oh, sure, I remember. One one whole day, but that's what had the river up, so... You didn't forget that already. No, I remember the storm, but usually that <laughs> I mean, doesn't just, make any it difference. Just, it usually The only difference it makes, especially up there, is whether they raise m- the gates that or was, not. That was Monday. I don't think they... I don't know. I don't it it was Wednesday I went. Like you Jason. could go look at the USGS, and if you see the big spike up, it's it was the definitely them opening or changing song. it. What? The old Coors commercial song? I think so. Been drinking too much Coors, bub. I think it is, actually. So, Jay, you got a trip coming up in, what, three days? <laughs> Two days? That was a good read. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I like how you pull up like it's like a note that's completely blank. <laughs> Check my notes. Let me check my notes here. Uh, you got a trip come up in two days. 
Yeah, uh, man. I got it. Yeah. Are you all packed up? Uh, as far as what? As far as being packed up to go. <laughs> like, on a trip. All the fly fishing shit is not in the bag, but it's all sitting in, like, like getting basically counted up and, you know what I mean, make make sure I have everything, and then I'll just throw it on the bag at once. Uh, You're going to do your camping and stuff first, or or what are you guys doing? Are you going to... to we have, the, but we're the fishing trip is we're staying after. At an Airbnb. I'm saying the the fishing trip after you guys go fish for yourselves. Or? Yeah, yeah, yep. But I uh, I've been doing some research on a couple of places and had talked to uh, a couple of Mark's buddies, uh, specifically Matt. And uh, I again I talked to him when we were at fly tying night and got a little bit of that was a while back. So I need a refresher. I wanted to pick his brain, so I text him in the morning. It <laughs> couldn't have been. Minute and a half later, dude, he calls me and he's the most enthusiastic, like upbeat. Just he want, he seemed like he wanted to make sure that I was gonna have the best time fishing out there ever. So how do Mark get such good friends? I don't know. <laughs> I, Thanks, Jeff. Whether it's like whether it's him and Chris or you know or, or you, you and, and I, you know, or, like come on, dude. Like I just he meets he meets gems. So this guy, I mean, he's, he's super enthusiastic, t- giving me all kinds of p- different places to go and what to do and experiences he had there, you know. And probably stalks him on Facebook like Chad. They made like a little GoPro. Yeah, you gotta video. meet the requirements, bud. <laughs> now, you've been on any fishing trips? You give him interviews, friend interviews on at a, five. On a serious note, do we do we want dessert delivered in? I'm good, but uh, no. uh you guys. We'll, we'll wait till we're done with this one. I'll go get it. Uh. So, you know, Chris calls him, and he's just, like I said, just he goes through, and he's explaining, hey, do this, do this. So he kind of changed my idea of what I might do, and uh, so did a lot of these plans that we had, like, for a few things, like horseback riding, a few other things I think are getting all canceled out on us. So it seems like... You mean because of COVID or because... Yeah, I think so. Uh, Just different things getting canceled, so we're probably going to... A lot of people seem like they wanted to turn to fishing. So it seems like there was a lot more... uh, and, you know, people like, oh, yeah, I'm bringing waiters. Yeah, I'm going to throw waiters in the bag. And, yeah, I'll, you know, I want to do this. Yeah, I'll go out with you. I mean, I was like, does his dad, my brother-in-law's dad, he seems like he really wants to fish a bit. And I'm like, hey, come on. You know, that's fine with me. More merrier. Does he have experience at all? Um, He has. Yeah, he's fished out there a little bit. I mean, he doesn't fish fly fish all the time. He has fly fish. He has a fly rod and waders. They're not, you know, not sages and everything else. It's not like he does it all the time, but hey, he knows how to do it. So at least I have a little bit. My brother-in-law's never touched a fly rod till yesterday. So, it, are you bringing a spinning rod? Uh, I think I'm gonna bring one for my daughter, but none of the adults are gonna use them. I don't know. Are That's the bring, rules. I think there's like single hook application out there. Like it's if you if you want to fish a spinner, you just yeah. change the hook out on it and check your regulations. I did buy six Joe's flies today. Look at you! For my kid, man. She wants to go do some fish, and we could fish. Uh, you tie in the trailer for it? No, I'm just cutting all the... I'm just going to cut all the... Uh, Trebles? Yeah, a little trouble. They all have single They're hooks They're just on all mono. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. They're all simple to cut off, but... Uh, so, but talk to... Man, does he... He cusses like a sailor, too, that guy. I love it. I thought I said the F word all the time. I'm like, yes! This is my guy! And, uh... But all the information was awesome, and uh, so that that made me uh, have a little more uh, confidence going in, I think, and it's going to help a little. And I, uh, I gotta, I'm gonna call a slide in here soon in the next couple of days and get some more information. Probably, probably call him tomorrow or something. But 
Good deal, man. Like I said, you can come over to the first first official fly fishing shop of Steindorf Road and get the rods when we're done with the show tonight. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That'll be awesome. Oh, yeah. She just don't throw it in the river. Yeah, don't throw it in the river, please. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah. I won't. I won't. Jason, you lose shit, don't you? Huh? You just lose shit, don't you? He jettisoned no. some rods last week. Hey, hey, bud. <laughs> I lost the net that you got me. Oh, there goes my rod. I'm just dropping shit out of this boat. I dropped my glasses out of there. Yeah, he did. Big so, smart guys. So, guys, we got about four minutes to with go, Bill. Do we want to go take a break and uh, come on back with Bill? Sounds good. good. Alrighty, guys. Socks off there, and Michael like caught two foot foot past in the back. One, one down, ten down. Three, I almost three. <laughs> my daughter was off her rod. I wouldn't have snagged the. Uh, and we are back with Bill Shear from We Tie It Fly Fishing. How is it going, Bill? Hey, it's going good, guys. Glad to be here. Great to be talking with you. Heck yeah, man. This is a this is a real pleasure for us because uh, we introduced the show tonight. Telling everyone to uh, open their history books up a little bit and get ready for uh, some musky on the fly from back in the day and all the way to the present. So what what's uh, Fly Shop's name again? That we're it's it's officially we're Bill Shears We Tie It Fly Shop. Gotcha. Yeah. And when did you get involved and start the fly shop, Bill? Uh, I started the shop 30 years ago after I retired. What was the fly fishing community like then? Uh, it was, it was, uh, I did, we live in a big tourist lake area, tons and tons of lakes around and not very many cold water streams. So, um, it was primarily warm water fishing you know, you would talk to lots of guys, and they'd be like, yeah, I got a fly rod. I catch bluegills and crappies in the springtime with it, and then I go real fishing. You know, and I would just roll my eyes and go, oh, man, I grew up with a fly rod in my hand. You're you're on the wrong side of the boat. <laughs> so 30 years ago, starting a warm water fly shop, that had to have been not an easy process to get kicked off the ground, right? Oh, no, it was not. um I have a, a brother-in-law who was a vice president of a bank uh, in New York, and he helped me write the business plan. He said, you know, he said, take this into any bank and you'll get a loan for sure, startup loan. So uh, the fourth bank I went into, the guy just, <laughs> <laughs> the, guy, the guy says to me, he says, you know, he says, I don't know. I said, tell you what, don't give me an answer right now. Why don't you just ask everybody you talk to in the next week if they fly fish? A week later, he calls me up. He says, you got the loan. <laughs> so the uh, the clientele was really a, a built-in base back then. Well, it was, it was a closet base. You know, like I said, everybody had a fly rod. They just didn't use them much. And they basically, they fished for panfish. And every once in a while, they'd catch a bass. And, you know, they were all excited about that. So was that kind of the main starter thing with it, was to get them into bass and then move from musky, or is it kind of always musky? 
Uh, no, it, I actually caught my first muskie when I was about 12 years old on a fly fishing for bass. And that, that pretty much took care of it for me. And did you, uh, immediately, did you move on to bigger flies and keep trying to chase that dragon? Well, yeah, but it was, it was a real process. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't buy a 10 weight rod anywhere, you know, eight weight was about it. And, you know, it, it took me about 20 minutes of throwing my first creation to figure out that I didn't want to throw it on an eight weight. But <laughs> growing up here in the musky capital of the world, it's, uh, you know, everybody fishes muskies. You catch muskies on Snoopy poles up here. You know, it just happens. They're here. So, uh, the St. Croix Rod Factory wasn't too far from me. I got a hold of them, and uh, they made me a blank. They weren't making rods, you know, 10-weight rods, but they they made me a blank. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of started there and moved forward from that. My first fly was nothing more than some fish hair on a hook. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know anything other than the fact that Muskie would eat a bass bug, so you know I I started experimenting. I had a lake not too far from me that was kind of hard to get into. Didn't have a it had public land on it, but no public boat landing. Uh, and I I more or less hacked one out of the woods and uh, was putting my boat on there and just having the fish tell me what they liked. And virtually nobody else fished it. It was. Uh, it was a deep lake. It had natural native muskies in it. It was never stocked. So it, it was uh, it was a real experience. I, I probably spent 12 years um, learning what the muskies would teach me. So you spent those 12 years learning what the muskies would teach you? How much have they changed in the past or from then till now? Um, I'm sure they're more pressured. Has that changed uh, the way the game's played? Well, to a certain extent, it has, but not completely. I, when I, you know, when I was that age, you know, twenty-five years old or whatever, uh, there weren't as many muskies, but they were bigger. Uh, so those those fish had more life experiences, so they were they were tougher to catch. There was a lot more followers those days, I think, than there is now. Um, although, well, maybe 10 years ago. Um, now that there is a lot more pressure, but there's also tons more muskies. Uh, we had uh, many years of stocking projects throughout the state now, and the muskies are everywhere, um, and, and they they tend to kind of fall into three basic size ranges. The little ones, 30 to 40 inches. The medium ones, 40 to 47 inches. And then the big old girls, 47 inches, 48 inches and up. Um, and when I say a 50-inch class fish, when I see the fish in the water, I pretty much have an idea after handling so many of them approximately what size it is. So maybe it's a 48-and-a-half or maybe it's a 50-and-a-half-inch fish, but it's in that general size range. So in the beginning, what what was the, the, the 
fly design. Where where did you start to get into? Okay, this is action that imparts strikes. Uh, you know that was it, the first thing that I tried to do was just to make it as big as an eight inch perch because I saw the fish eating eight inch perch all the time, and even in those days, it was well known that about a one pound sucker in the fall was uh, was the preferred bait or preferred food for the fish. So my first flies, uh, summertime flies, were something around seven or eight inches long that was streamlined like a perch. And I really didn't try to put a lot of um, man-made action into it. I imparted the action primarily through manipulating the rod and the line. Uh, and that's, that's just kind of the way that fly fishing was done in those days. You know, we're talking about the, the late 70s. So it was a lot different than what it is today where we have flies that have a lot more built-in movement to them. So back in those days, did you have integrated sinking lines like we do now, or do you, no. even, do you even use no, them now? We, we made our own. I, I, would, I made a wind taper, I don't know, 30 years before one was ever offered commercially. <laughs> There, there was, uh, you know, and, and all you had was you had a floating line or you had a sinking line. There weren't even any sink tip lines. So you had to kind of make your own. There were shooting heads available. So you could you could play around with heads. I had a, uh, a line splicing kit. I, I think I bought it from someplace in California, probably about 1978 or something like that. It was kind of like... The old film splicing, it, it cut the line on an angle and you glued it together with plia bond and you had a, a, a tool that kind of whipped over the top of it. You, you wrapped a piece of plastic film around it to hold the two pieces together. It was pretty ugly, but it worked. So you didn't worry about uh, joining the core back together? Yeah. Okay. You only cast it about what thirty-eight feet. Well, you know, it was it was kind of done on the shooting head design. So, yeah, maybe you got forty feet out of one, forty-five feet. That that'd be about it. But after yeah, busting your hump all day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But most of the strikes were going to be, you know, fifteen feet or less, anyways. So, do you still have? Any of those lines that you can give to your client, just say, hey, this is what we used to throw back in the day. And, uh, unfortunately, they all died a long time ago. I, I, was, I was looking around through some of my old junk a couple of months ago for that line splicing kit. I know I got it somewhere. I just can't find it. <laughs> That'd be fun to go back and try to do it again, just to, just to relive the old days. Do a video but, of you doing it. Lines were so so much smaller in diameter too. I mean, you know, a, a, the running portion of a weight forward line was probably thirty thousandths in diameter. You know, I mean, they were tiny That's compared like to what we. Mono. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the rod guides were so much smaller because, you know, we basically we were just coming off of the bamboo era when silk lines were still available. 
mean, I fished a silk line when I first started fishing. My grandfather had had uh, nails on the trees that lined our driveway, and every night you pulled the line off of the reel and you hung it on the nails to dry out, and you had to go outside and get it before the the dew came up so that the line wouldn't rot. <laughs> That's way too big of a hassle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was. I, I understand. <laughs> An expensive silk line was seven dollars and fifty cents. So you know, I mean, we're talking about big money. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. No, Chad. He drink. He drink too many beers when he's done fishing. He's done. Yeah. When I'm done, and I I lay that line out. I'm gonna totally forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> My dad used to buy a double taper line when they. When they first came out, when Cortland first came out with the uh, synthetic lines, he'd buy a double taper line, cut it in half, give half of it to me and half of it to my older brother. And that that was our line for this year. <laughs> Speaking of that, sounds how, like he loved you. How many lines do you go through in a season now? Um, gee, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really use up a line in a season. I can usually get two to three years out of a line. I've got some lines that are 10 years old or more because I only use them for a week. There's, there might be one specific fishing condition that will last for about a week where I need that particular line on a particular rod to get the line and the fly to the, the depth range that I want it to be at. So, there, I've got like a half a dozen lines that I use for a week or ten days out of the year. And, and I understand exactly what you're saying, but can you present one of them scenarios? I mean, like, let's say, what's one of them lines or a condition where that, that scenario happens? Um, okay, I've got, uh, it's, it's always in the fall. Um, and it's, it's kind of that transition time period when we're going between um, Milder fall weather and cold fall weather. So the some of the fish, the, the fish are just starting to move deeper. And this, these are primarily river lines. So they're ultra-fast sinking, but I've cut them down to certain lengths. Like one river I use an 8-foot sink tip, and another river I'll use a 12-foot sink tip. And only in specific areas where there's small holes you know, here in Wisconsin, we've got real young water. You know, like twelve to 15,000 years ago, this water was under a mile of ice. So our rivers aren't deep. So a deep hole might be 8 feet deep or 10 feet deep, yeah, which is, I know, really weird to you guys, but that's, that's our situation in our rivers here. But you also said you don't have many dams to contend with. Correct? No, that's not so. It depends on the rivers. Uh, all of the major rivers have dams on them. The reservoirs, what we call a flowage, in the upper portions of those rivers are strictly for water storage. So they only open those when they need water downstate for more power. Because I live up here in the northern part of the state where there's not many people, we don't need the extra electricity up here, but we got all the water because I live at the top of a great big plateau. You said there's no tornadoes up there. 
No tornadoes. No, we, we rarely have a tornado up here. Maybe one every 20 years or something like that. We're just a little too high up the hill. Now, of course, this is the Midwest. So, you know, when we say we set 1,000 feet above Lake Superior, people around here just think that's crazy because most people live at about 600 feet above sea level. Whereas where I live, we're at almost 1,800 feet above sea level. Uh, compared to living in the Appalachians or in the Rockies, that's not very high. But compared to everything else around here, that's really high. So do you, do you notice that in, in your river systems? Is the gradient more, the rivers flow faster? When we hit the uh, when we hit the fall zone, yes. Where we're up here, the rivers are really slow until they get to the the edge of the plateau, and then they speed up. There's a lot more rock um, in in certain stretches. You know, like maybe a fifteen or a twenty or twenty five mile stretch, there'll be a lot more bedrock and base rock, big boulders, um, not as much lower current as there would be downstream from there or upstream from there where we are kind of like in meadow stretches. Many of the rivers up here near me are really small. You know, this is their headwaters. So the river might only be 25 or 35 feet wide. Whereas if you go 50 miles downstream, that river is going to be 100 feet wide. Do you find different times of year when uh, fishing the, the faster portions, like where uh, where you do have the more of the incline and the, the river base, is a better option for catching muskie than when you're other times of year when you would fish the uh, the top of your plateau and it's slower, more meandering, like a headwater river? Yeah, definitely. Uh, when water is real low, if we have a low water year, the muskies will move right into the ripples. Uh, one of them that we saw just this last week was laying right in, right at the, the the bottom end of a ripple just before it dropped into a pool, and then that was a 50-inch class fish, and it was it was laying right up in the rocks. Uh, so, and our water is really low this year. So during low water time periods and in the summer when naturally our water gets lower and the oxygen contents go down, those fish will move up into the ripples where there's better oxygen. So uh, that time of year, what do you, what's your tactic to catch them? Are you still drifting? Are you, you walking wading and uh, high stick nymphing them? What, (laughs) 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 what, what, what's your option? Uh, Well, I fish out of uh, inflatable watercraft. Uh, I, I, I build pontoon rafts, um, so I can really, and, and my, the pilot portion of my personal raft has no floor. Now, I'm a big guy. I'm, I used to be 6'6", but at my age, I'm not 6'6 anymore. Gravity still works. <laughs> um, but I, I'm still 6'5". So I can I can walk my raft through those ripples. Doesn't matter how fast the river's going. I'm I'm a big enough, strong enough guy that I can 
I can walk the raft through it. As long as my feet can hit the bottom, I can walk the raft. So I can go down those, those rapids and ripples rather slowly. And I can pick apart those places where I know the muskies tend to hang out. Um, that more than one time we've been sitting there kind of watching the water for a while. And pretty soon you see a fish sneaking up along the rocks. He's hunting. He's looking for, for a small mouth or a sucker that's laying along the edges of the rocks. And he's just sneaking up along the edges looking for him. We can lay a fly in. And most of the time, we'll get the fish. But you don't cast right at the fish because their food doesn't just all of a sudden show up out of the blue. They, they know more than that. So you got to throw it either above them or behind them. It depends on how, how rough the water is, how fast the water is going. They, they like to tend to stay kind of on the edges of those ripple areas so that uh, they can... They can blast out from there and speed up in a hurry. That's their, their favorite tactic anyways, is to surprise their prey. They get close enough, and then they pounce on it. So, um, so trying to use that to our advantage, if we see a fish, we'll usually, in a, in, in a river system, we'll usually put the fly upstream and beyond them and pull it into their vision and, uh, and use a lot of twitches. Uh, generally speaking, we're talking about water that's less than a couple of feet deep. So uh, the vision isn't a problem for them. We don't use real flashy flies. You don't need one that's moving a ton of water or anything because it's a real visual thing for the fish and for the angler. Do you feel like a fast, like even a fast retrieve makes them fish have to make a movement toward the fly and have to make that split second decision? Yeah, definitely. And, and but, but you got to put a lot of pauses in it. So you might move the fly a foot, foot and a half, and then kind of let it hang for about two seconds and then do that again and let it hang. Because after the fish sees that a couple of times, he, he kind of figures out his prey and, and the fish knows that the next time that thing hangs, I'm going to get it. Are you, um, are you doing a lot of rod manipulation with that as well? Or are you yeah. just doing it all stripping-wise? Uh, it's a lot of rod manipulation and a lot of mending. Okay. Just, just trying to keep the fly in the zone. Most of the time when I'm fishing those situations, I'm using, oh, uh, an 8- to 12-foot intermediate tip with a floating line. So, so it's like, um, if you're familiar with a Cortland ghost tip, uh, that's got a 15-foot clear intermediate tip on it, and I usually cut that back about 3 to 5 feet so that I, I've got better mending that I can do with it. It's kind of like a bass bug line with the front 10 feet of it being intermediate. So are you still maintaining the same thing as 30 years ago, trying to match that 8-inch perch-style fly, or has that, has that changed with that tactics? And actually, that, that hasn't changed that much. My summertime flies are still around 8 or 9 inches long. My, uh, my fall flies uh, never go more than 12 inches long. What about uh, spring, down to 4 and 6? Yeah, down to 4 and 6 in the spring. 
that all the fish we've caught so far this season, and the, the season just opened uh, at Memorial Day weekend, um, all of them have been caught on those smaller flies. Um, I, I know guys who throw larger flies at this time of the year, and they get a lot of follows, but they don't get very many eats. And in in my rude thinking, uh, the way I look at it is uh, the fish are just off a of spawn. They're they're beat up. The the water is still really cold for us, but especially this time or this year. And uh, it takes too much energy from those fish to digest a big meal. So, you know, everybody's got room for another candy bar. They put a candy bar out there, they're going to eat the candy bar. It's, it's quick, easy energy, and they can, they can go on about their business. But if they have to eat, you know, a full T-bone, that's just going to take too much time away from their day. So what, what's your preferred setups now? What, I know that the, there's got to be a big evolution in some of the stuff you're throwing and, and a way easier ability to get it out there. What rods and, and what kind of lines do you throw some of these flies on? I use mostly intermediate lines. I, I'd say probably 80% of my fishing is on an intermediate line. Uh, and uh, I, I've gone to every brand I can think of, but I still love the Cortland Clear Camo. That's, that's an awesome line. I'm way deep now into one-piece rods. Uh, to me, they're, they're just the best thing there is. They're lighter weight. You can't break them very easily. You know, four-piece rods break easily because they loosen up at the ferrule. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care which manufacturer it is. They all loosen up at the ferrule. Yep, we're we're all shaking our heads. Yes, <laughs> I had one shoot off yesterday. Yeah, you gotta check so, them. You know, sooner or later it's going to crack there, and and you're going to break it. You know, I mean it's that that's the nature of the beast. So the one piece rods don't have that built in fallibility. They're lighter weight. They're easier to handle. Um, I, I I really like the the hardy rods. I've got a couple of Loomis's. They're, they're pretty good. The NRXs are pretty good. Um, we've got a builder here in Wisconsin, Tom Schenk, Chippewa Rod Company, Chippewa River Rod Company. He makes probably the best uh, rod, one-piece rod, in the 300 to $400 range that you can find. Um, I don't think We've heard that any- a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of rods that can compete with that rod um, for for castability, uh, for durability. You know, if you if you want to compare that rod to four piece rods in that price range, you're just not going to find anything better. His rods are great in that price range. Now, if you can spend twice that amount of money, yeah, you're going to get a way better rod. You know. Um, but, you know, just like the difference between a Chevy and a Cadillac, they both got four wheels and goes. So it all depends on, on you know, what you can deal with. So if you're saying that you got whatever to spend, what's the best one-piece rod to buy then? Hardy? I, I would think that if you can spend any amount of money you want, get the Hardy. What's the uh, length on that? Nine? Or what, it, what do you get? 
they're they're eight foot ten. We are in their twelve, or is it eleven weight? Uh, they make them into a twelve weight. Uh, I've got an eight, a nine, and an eleven. I would have a ten, but uh, they're sold out of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Good problems for them to have, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know, you guys may or may not know. Uh, there's a lot of equipment this year that's just not available, or they're running out of it because of the COVID thing and all this shipping problems that everybody's having all over the world. They're just not able to get some stuff. I can't get nine foot four X liters right now, and which is crazy. Have you have you found that people are buying more because people aren't working as much? Um. I, yeah, for a while they were. Uh, I think now that you know reality is kind of setting in, and the pocketbook is getting a little thinner, that uh, that's backed off. And also, it's warmed up. I mean, it is fishing season now, so there's more people out there fishing uh, than than there was you know a couple of months ago when a lot of guys were still buying and still tying flies. So there's not quite as much. Uh, buying going on right now, but there's still lots of people that are coming in for the terminal tackle. You know, they're, 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 they need leaders, they need tippet, they need wire, they need flies. Uh, if they, I had one guy, poor guy, I felt so sorry for him, came in last week, bought a new fly line, spooled it all up for him, came back two days later, he, he, he said, I'm just the dumbest guy on earth. I caught it in a trolling motor. I need a new line. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the worst thing. It's happened before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So even to me. Should have gave him the <laughs> old. Too. You should have gave him the old splicer. <laughs> it, dug dug that out for him. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, bud. We'll just knot it back together. It'll be okay. <laughs> so, hey, speaking of modding the lines and stuff, Bill, I, you mentioned something that got my brain turning. Um, I want to go into a little bit of leader talk with you, but you said you cut the uh, the Rio Ghost tip back or not the Rio the uh, the Cortland ghost tip back a couple feet yeah are you folding it over and making a loop or are you nail knotting mono to it what what do you do to make a smooth transition through the through the eyelets I fold it over I, I usually cut it at an angle with a razor blade I fold it over and, and make a new loop on it okay that's a big question a lot of people have you know yeah, I know, and there's there's all kinds of different ideas about it. I've I've been in the field before where a loop cracks or something, you know, it's it's hinging, and you know we just cut it off and nail knot on a piece of forty pound and keep going for the day. But then after the when the day's over, I'll I'll put a new loop in it. And uh, I I've seen a lot of places that you you prefer the not too kinky for your yes. for your wire uh, bite guard. Can you, yep. can you tell us why? Uh, sure. Uh, about 20 years ago, maybe 18 years ago, somewhere in that general time period, um, I had I was fishing 65-pound test mono like most guys were. Um, I, and I kind of wavered back and forth between the old nylon-coated stainless steel wire and mono, but the wire was so visible. Um, that I decided the mono would be better. Well, I got, I was guiding one week. Two clients got cut off by 
52-inch-plus fish. One fish was so pissed off at me, it sat 20 feet away from the boat while I went over and picked up the fly off the bottom of the river, and it sat there glaring at me the whole time. (laughs) It was giving me the stink eye like you can't believe. I'm sure you were scared to pick the fly up. I bet it was going to bite you. I picked the fly up with a net. I wasn't sticking my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they, they like white. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway that that pretty much convinced me after the second one in the same week that you know i i i put the guy on the fish but as the guide i, I i'm responsible for the tackle you know i mean if the fish beats you fair and square that's what you're out there for but if you have a tackle failure that's on me and i i vowed right there i was never going to have a tackle failure again so I, I sent a letter out to everybody that was in the business that I wanted a sample of their wire. And Not Too Kinky was not available then, but American Fishing Wire had the titanium wire. It was brand new. So uh, I started out using the American Fishing Wire titanium, but uh, in the wintertime I used to guide in Florida. I've got a Coast Guard master's license. Um, so when I was guiding down there, guys would hire me sometimes just to be on the boat. I didn't have to do anything. I was just the, the guy with the license. <laughs> but, <laughs> Heck yeah, that's the guy to be. Yeah, exactly. I got paid. All I had to do was sit there, you know. <laughs> Watch people but, catch fish. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was easy. I didn't even have to steer the thing. I just sat there and drank beer. <laughs> yep, you didn't smell like bait at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even feel guilty about it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I would see what they were doing, and they started after, I don't know what year it was, 1980-something, they came out with this not-too-kinky stuff that this engineer who got laid off from NASA started making this nickel-titanium wire. And they were catching wahoo and kingfish on it. I'm like, well, crap, if they can catch wahoo and kingfish, I can catch muskies on it. So... I started using that, and I love the fact that it stretches a little bit. It's forgiving, whereas the the regular titanium stuff wasn't that forgiving. It just broke. So, uh, so that's why I started using the not too kinky. You know, the thirty five pound test is about the diameter of zero x. The, the fish don't even see it. It's a single strand wire. It's not braided, so it only shines light from one angle at a time. So for that fish to be in that perfect angle to get a good look at it is pretty difficult. So it's it's pretty much invisible to the fish. Are you tying a a uh, a snap to that, or are you doing haywire twist to to every fly? I, I gave up on snaps about the same time I gave up on the uh, the mono. mono. <laughs> but yeah, when the snaps started failing on me, I mean, I was up to like. 90 pound snaps you know that were like an inch and a half long I'm like what am i doing this for this is just stupid i i use a uh, perfection loop knot it's strong it's fast it's easy to tie and you know i can put it on and not worry about it you do that with the wire like you do perfection loop knot with the wire yep yep it's easy it it, it, it ties just like mono and because of its diameter, it's much easier to, to handle. 
than even using heavy mono. And quite honestly, I think it's less visible. By the time you get by the time you get to eighty pound test mono, you know that stuff's so big in diameter. Helen Keller could see it. (laughs) (laughs) And you've never had a kink and break. No. Well, I've had. When when you get a kink in it, then it's it's compromised and it has to be changed. Yeah, as I say, I mean, Um, I know like using it for like junction points on a fly. It's it's only a matter of time before it kinks, and then the back end of the fly breaks. But I've never had any experience using it as a leader. Yeah, the the uh, the the leader isn't a problem. I mean, it, if it gets a kink in it, it's done. It's over with. You can't straighten it out and make it work again. Occasionally, I'll have somebody who hits the rod with the leader, and they put a big kink in it. Well, that that wire's done for. Mm-hmm. It, it, you can't. You can't trust it after that. Uh, occasionally, we'll have a fish that gets it just right between their teeth, and after we land them, there's a kink in the wire. I just change it. You know, the, the stuff's inexpensive enough that I, I don't worry about what the cost is. I worry about what the performance factor is. Uh, I use the invisible swivels with it, and I snell up all my flies ahead of time. So... Any fly that I reach for in my box has already got wire and an invisible swivel on it. So I just cut the mono. I use 40-pound test Maxima Ultra Green for my leader. And I use somewhere between three and six feet long, depending on the conditions of that particular water or that time of the year. And so, you know, when my mono gets too short, I just put on a new piece of mono my my fly is already tied to my wire with the swivel on it, so it's it's easy. I just tie a improved clinch and I'm good to go. So if you're snelling every fly, are you tying the flies on like the Gamagatsu octopus with the upturned eye? No, no. I use mostly I use Daiichi twenty four sixty ones. It's uh, it's a long shank hook, so I can. I can build more fly onto the hook shank um, with my shank flies. I can put that. I, I like to keep the hook in the middle third of the fly. If I can keep that hook point somewhere in the middle third of the fly, I'm not going to miss very many fish unless you trout set them. I can't help you with that. <laughs> oh, that's me all the way. I do that all the all the freaking time. <laughs> trout set logs. I, I trout set I, I trout. I trout set musky. I trout set them all. <laughs> I, I got a cure for that. I've been working on this device. What it is ties, it? It ties around your thigh, and then it goes around <laughs> the, the rods. So when you lift up the rod and you trout set, you throw yourself in the water. It really shortens. The- <laughs> <laughs> I need, you just pick your own leg up and jump in. I need that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of trout setting and uh, setting, when a, a fish comes to the side of the boat and you're doing your your boat side maneuvers and it eats, what's the preferred uh, setting technique for that? Because you can't really strip set boat side. Yeah, you can. If you you got to rem- remember how the fish eats. When the fly disappears, you can't set the hook. you got to wait for the fish to turn. So I just let the line slide through my hand about 
oh, three to five feet. When a fish starts moving away from me, uh, I got the rod tip pointed right at them. I just cross their eyes with a hook set. They're they're done for. Oh, you have, you have way more willpower than me. Well, <laughs> Ice in the veins. That's that's why you're the guide and I'm the rookie, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I've flown a lot of them trying to learn that technique. And I usually screw up the first one of the year too. <laughs> that's that's protocol, man. Don't worry about it. Everybody does it. So, <laughs> so speaking of the guide and the rookie, uh, how often do you get guys that are that are fairly successful in their their own personal area to come up and uh, be guided by you? Oh, quite a few. And does that make your day harder or easier? Oh, if they can cast, it makes my day easier. Are you kidding me? I, I, I'm a big proponent of accuracy. Uh, if you can put that fly six inches from the bank, and that fish is sitting on the bank, he's going to eat it. But if the fly lands three feet from the bank, he might eat it. I want that fish to react to that fly when it hits the water because that, that's an eat. That, that's, not a, that's not a look. That's an eat. So to me, being as accurate as you possibly can be, if, if I say put it you know, right there on the tip of that log, I mean right there on the tip of that log. I don't mean two feet from the tip of the log. Because that fish might be hanging two feet back under that log, and he needs his acceleration time to get to the tip of the log. Okay. I mean, like I said, I have a lot of bad habits. Casting isn't one of them. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> cool. He's he's just joking with you. He, <laughs> he casts bad, too. You seen any of this guy's flies? <laughs> nah, just, just joshing you. Give it a couple of jabs. Now it's pretty cool to hear some of the the old line stories and stuff. But so so any recent fishing going on in in town for you right now? Uh, well, like I said, our season just opened, so and it's a real late year. So I've been out. Let's see, I've been out four times. We've got seven fish. That's it. Uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Hell, that's minus. That's minus two though. From the yeah. This- this is the time of the year when it's it's a numbers game more than a size game, usually. Uh, uh, my, my best days were when, when we had, uh, during our drought years, when the fish were very predictable places. You know, you, you could pull into a pool and you could say, okay, there's a big rock right there on the edge of the pool that's got two and a half feet of water, three feet of water next to it. I know there's going to be a fish there. That's where he's going to be. He's not going to be someplace else in the pool. He's going to be there. You know, put the put the fly right there on the edge of the rock and get ready. And and so you know, I had I had days where my best day ever was 23 fish in one day. <laughs> Landed or seen? Landed. What? <laughs> oh, we've seen 60 or more in a day sometimes. You're talking about smallmouth, right? <laughs> so so river fishing is that is that all all on the small like tube pontoon tubes is that that's the the main yeah, technique all, all, on the, all in the pontoon wraps yep so, uh, so you have a seat in the front then with them then too 
Uh, yeah, I've got three boats. I've got a 10-foot two-man that's got a, it's a stand-up platform. All my, all my casting positions are made from the same, are, are all made the same size. So they've, they've got a, a, a 20-inch by 20-inch floor in them. They've got uh, a lean bar, uh, a stripping basket in front of them, and that's set back from the uh, from the uh, the rocker turn up of the pontoons about six inches. So it's a real stable platform to stand on. Uh, I experimented with some larger sizes. What I found was if I made a 24-inch long platform, 20 inches wide or 22 inches wide. Everybody stood on their line. There was too much room. They dropped the line right down at their feet, and they stood on the line. So when I made it smaller, they hit the stripping basket. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, that, that, that's just human fallibility. <laughs> so do you, when you take people guiding, do they always wear waders? No. Okay, so do you find guys in bare feet uh, don't step on their line as much? Uh, we don't get, I don't get too many barefoot guys, but I get guys that have got street shoes on or maybe a pair of sandals or something like that. Um, I've got rubber mats down on the floor, so it could be comfortable for them. But uh, for saltwater fishing, yes, uh, definitely guys that, that went barefoot, uh, didn't step on their line as much, or at least they could feel the line when it was under their foot and they picked their foot up. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. I, my favorite way to fish is barefoot. So it's you know. favorite wines barefoot too. <laughs> but we also have, but we have like we have uh, hypodermic needles in the river that we float in, so it's not safe for Chad to be in his bare feet. And we've learned this the hard way. Yeah, I cut my foot on a broken yeah. beer bottle once. Oh jeez! Yeah, I had, yeah, I had yeah. to row you out, bleeding like a stuck pig. No, that that'd be ugly. No, we don't have too much of that up here. Most, well, all of the rivers in the uh, in the state national forest up here, you can't have glass. So that that eliminates that problem. Yeah, yeah, we don't do that in Ohio and PA. They don't. There's no rules on no, stuff like that. There's bicycles in our river and everything, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but the other boats, you were talking, you said you had uh, one that was a two-man. Do you have any that you could fish three guys out of? Yeah, I've got, uh, so I've got a two-man 10-footer, I've got a two-man 12-footer, uh, and then I've got a three-man 14-footer. Now, that's the one we will, I don't know about you, Bill, but I love having two guys casting while I'm rowing, you know? I like more baits in the water. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely, that and there's there's more people to heckle while you're rowing. You can make fun of the guy in the back and the front. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it, that's how we then, roll. <laughs> before I opened the shop. I was in the school bus business for about 20 years, so I have eyes in the back of my head. So, <laughs> have you dabbled in any of the two-handed uh, musky fishing now, with the no. water hauling? I'm not a big fan of that. I think that that's that's too slow of a hook set. Uh, you know, you've got to, these these fish have attack speeds of up to seventy miles an hour, um, and and if you miss that, you missed it. You, there's no second chance. Um, so I, I'm not a big fan of the two-handed rods. I, I just don't think in our water 
they, they just really don't have much of a place. I know a few guys that have played around with them up here, but basically that's what they've done is they've played around with them and they haven't stuck with them just because uh, of the conditions that we fish. And, and Bill, you uh, to get back to your, your boats for just a second, you do sell those on your, your website, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Just uh, yeah. They're they're tough boats. There are no welds in my boats because a, a raft has to flex a lot. Tell me the last time you saw a raft that was broken that wasn't broken at the weld for an aluminum frame. I don't know. We've we've only been on one raft and and Jay beats the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've only had it for three years now. I think going on three years. So we'll see. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, I mean, it's, 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 you can, you can, you can beat the crap out of a raft and it's okay. And a lot of our rivers up here don't have landings on them. So you couldn't get a drift boat in the water if you wanted to. And some of the, many of the smaller rivers have so many rocks and logs and everything in them, you couldn't float down them with a drift boat. I, I got uh, one of the guys who works for me. He's got a two-man raft, and he also has one of those little hide drifters, that little 12-foot hide. He can hardly use it up here because there's there's just no place to get it in and out. And, there's, you know, you got to really hate your drift boat to go down some of the rivers that we have here. <laughs> so what are the weights on the, on the size of the raft or your, your, uh, the, the pontoons? Uh, the 10-footer is under 100 pounds. Twelve footer is about 115 pounds, and the 14 footer is about 125 pounds, 130 maybe. It, it kind of depends on, but because I make custom wraps, it depends on what you want in the raft. Now, like I had a guy ordered one this year; he wanted a solid floor across the whole thing. Well, that's 11 feet of aluminum plate from front to back on the floor. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, that, that, that adds a lot of weight. So his boat ended up being about 160 pounds. But, you know, I can build it. If that's what he wanted, yeah, no problem. That's still lighter, so, still lighter than my 15-foot drift boat. What's that? I said that's still lighter than my 15-foot drift boat. Oh, yeah, by far. He got rid of a, a stealth craft 16-footer or to, uh, to get this raft. And he said, I don't care what you say. This is so much easier to handle than the stealth craft. It's not even funny. And ore-wise, uh, what, what are you looking on oars on? Let, let's just use the uh, the 12-foot two-person as a, a baseline. What are you looking ore-wise? you looking nine-foot oars? No, no. Uh, Seven-and-a-half to eight-foot okay. is fine. The, the boat is about uh, 56 inches wide, you know, oarlock to oarlock or outside of the pontoon to outside of the pontoon. So you really don't need a nine-foot oar. Plus, there's a lot of rivers. If you've got a nine-foot oar, you're not rowing down that thing. All you're doing is bouncing off side to side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, like I said, my drift boat has nine-foot oars. Jay's has... Couldn't even tell you. Have no idea. They're it has, Sawyers. It has two oars. <laughs> I think Jay's yeah, has two of them. I, yeah. I would two guess. I would guess Jay's oars. Except for when I drop one out. Eight foot. Eight. <laughs> yeah, I was just eight. So. Well, and 
you know, drift boats are a lot wider, so you and they and they ride higher, so you need, you know, longer oars in a drift boat. I mean, that just kind of goes with the territory. They're they're higher off the water. You've got more angle on the oar to get it down there. You, if you like, like me, I like to have my hands, the ends of my oars, within an inch of each other. Yeah. Um, well, like so the, mine's a Mackenzie style, so I have super high, super high walls on my drift boat, and to right. keep them close, I have to have longer oars. Absolutely. Whereas in, in the raft, I mean, my my ten foot, I've got seven and a half foot oars in them, and sometimes I think they're too long, you know. But that's you know those pontoons are small; they're only ten foot. I like the ten footer for the smaller rivers if they're not too fast. Because there's not as much surface area on that ten foot pontoon, it tends to slide more. It, that's why I like the twelve footer the best. Do you use a fifteen uh, inch or eighteen inch tubes? Uh, the the twelve footer has twenty inch tubes, and the ten footer has sixteen inch tubes. And did you have a a fab background before you started making these these rafts? Because this is a this is pretty cool. Yeah, I was an engineer for GM before I got into the school bus business. Okay. But I went from GM to International Truck Chassis Division, and then from there I got into uh, running a school bus company. And then after I retired from the school bus company, then I started the fly shop. Uh, I'm a former state council chairman for Wisconsin Trout Unlimited. I sat on the board of directors of the FFF for about 10 or 12 years. So... Yeah, I, I, I paid my dues for the fly fishing society. Absolutely, I we salute you, sir. <laughs> so, so back to the shop. What is what do you offer? Do you, do people come in there for a guided trip? Do how are you selling flies like uh, starter kits, materials? What what's the yeah? We're, go a, there? We're, a, we're a full service fly shop. We've got everything. Uh, I'm I'm a big materials hound. I'm uh, I'm one of the old original. FFF, what they used to call the master fly tires, there was 140, I think there was 142 of us, and there's about uh, about 38 of us left alive. So, uh, and I was one of the youngest. So guys like Polly Rothborough, Royce Dam, Chris Helm, all those guys were personal friends of mine. And, and I learned a lot about fly tying from those guys. Uh, Lefty Cray gave me my, well, Lee Wolf gave me my first formal fly casting lessons. And then about 20 years after that, Lefty taught me to throw a big rod. <laughs> did, uh, did you ever meet Joan? Did she show you how to cast a rod? Oh yeah. I, I'm, I, uh, yeah, we did, uh, we did an advertising campaign for catch and release here in Wisconsin with Joan. Oh, gee whiz. Probably about 25 years ago, 30 years ago now. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Although I, I have to admit that I'm not a fan of that casting style. What Joan, uh, Joan style. Yeah. I'm more of a lefty guy. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm left-handed. So that automatically makes me weird anyway. So, uh, so did, did you have people to teach you how to cast left-handed? No, I never had anybody who could teach me to cast left-handed. Okay, um, my my I, son's left-handed. That's the only reason I'm asking. Yeah, I had to learn to cast right-handed and then flip that around in my head. 
But oddly enough, I I come from a large family, and I'm the only one for four generations. Whoa! Crap. <laughs> oh gosh, okay. we're we're still here. So good. It's probably going to do it again. That's my credit card machine finishing out for the day. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but you come but from a big it, family? Yeah, I come from a big family. I'm the only one for four generations who's left-handed. Uh, I always said it was the milkman. My mom said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> she said, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can't even bat left-handed. I don't know how. Because everybody in my that I dealt with was right-handed. So even though I'm left-handed, I don't know how to bat left-handed. That's, I tried to teach my son the other day to tie a fly. We were tying a fly, and he was sitting across from me, and he's left-handed, so his vice and my vice were facing the same directions. Yeah. But it was so weird to... Like, I would have to come around the bar and like rap backwards backwards <laughs> to me to show him what to do and it, yeah it was very weird i was having a hard time teaching him how to do it i tie right-handed but to me anybody can teach their stupid hand to go in circles but manipulating the material is more important to, to hold it so it doesn't spin around on the hook or to position it properly you need your smart hand for that so my left hand does all of that stuff and my stupid hand just goes around in circles and handles thread tensioning see i, so, I can't even brush my teeth with my left hand you know what i found <laughs> the weirdest thing that actually helped me so much fly tying wise with my left hand was being in sales so long talking to people and using my left hand running the calculator because it was all individual with your fingers and then you get like individual like muscles built and then when you're moving materials around with your fingers you can actually like you can feel like the material in each finger and the pressure you're putting on it, and it made a huge difference. It was weird. Mark yeah. can be dexterous. He just uh, figured it out. I, I I use a computer mouse with my right hand. I mean, I draw with my right hand with the computer mouse. My <laughs> older brother, who's left, who's right-handed, is a producer for CBS. He uses a mouse with his left hand. What? So, yeah. <laughs> I mean. It's it's really funny. He, he's only about a year older than me, and I wear out my right hand glove before I wear out my left hand. And he's just the opposite. He wears out a left hand glove before he wears out a right hand glove. So every six months, we put the worn out gloves in the mail and send them to each other. <laughs> Brothers, that's awesome. That, that's like brotherly love. Yeah, and then and then the next six months we send the good gloves. So at the end of the year, we always got several pairs of gloves that are good. They don't look right, so they're different colors, but they. It's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah. So speaking of, it's, speak... it's like it's just like when I'm out on the river. I always tell people, you know, I never had a fish yet that complained about the way I dressed or how I looked. <laughs> speaking of gloves, how late? In the season is your season. Like how how deep into the the winter oh, fall we, time does it go? Our our season ends November thirtieth. And how often uh, do you get to get to November thirtieth before everything ice is over? Uh, for the past four years, we haven't made it there. So if anyone books a trip with you later in the season, they have to worry about dressing for the weather. Oh yeah, big time. Once you get to the middle of October. 
you're uh, you you better uh, you better be dressing like an Eskimo. I always bring Mister Heater in the boat with me. Do you get a heat shut down through the summer? Or are you able to make it the whole way through? No, we don't get any heat shut down. Are you kidding me? Last year we never made it to. Huh. Yeah, that'd be nice here. Yeah, no, we don't we don't have to worry about that. We're far enough north that uh, occasionally, uh, you know, if we have like we did in the drought years, there were time periods when I wouldn't fish for for trout or muskies, but that was for maybe two or three years during that time period. Um, generally speaking, I've always got some water that I can find that I can fish. If I get into the headwaters of the rivers and the muskies, they're just like trout. They'll keep chasing cold water. They'll keep going upstream. If the water's there, they'll go. And you told me you had a handful of, of different floats that you can do throughout a season, right? I've got about 70 different floats that I can do throughout the season. So how often or how long do you break each float before, between doing it again? I you, will never fish the same piece of water more than once a week. Even if it's producing for you, even if you move, yep. let's say you move seven fish but didn't stick any of them, you won't Doesn't go back. Matter. You won't go back I, to the next day. Try to hook I one. I won't of fish. go back. Nope, I won't go back. I don't want them to know me. You just I don't want, to want know them. To, I don't want to be their friend. <laughs> you just want them to eat when you're there, right? When you That's sh- right. when I, I show I mean, up, it better happen. That's kind of like hunting for sure. When most of these. Fish, because I've been doing this for so long, I've known these fish since they were 18 inches long. I, so, I, so Pete I've was literally put them up in their in their rivers. I protect them a lot. Um, you know, I, I make sure that that nobody's mistreating them as much as possible. A lot of these places that I go, I may be the only one who goes there. That's all I was going to ask you, like. So if you decide not to go somewhere the next day, you know, or like how you're fishing it, your your spots, do you find that if you weren't there that next the day, the next day, would somebody else be there? Well, I was going to ask you, and obviously the answer is no. Yeah, usually not. I, I would say there's there's the Fourth of July week is probably the only time of the year when some of these rivers get fished by somebody else, just because there's more people around or that happens to be a river that they fished with their dad, you know, 30 years ago. So they go back there, they float it with a kayak, and they do it one day out of the year. That's that's not enough pressure to worry about. And we didn't really talk about it. Where Where is We Tie at Fly Shop? And what, what? We're in Boulder Junction, Wisconsin. So if you looked at the state of Wisconsin and you drew a line right straight up the middle of it, it would be all the way at the the very top of that line would be uh, Boulder Junction. That's uh, that's as far north as you can go in the state. I'm about oh five miles from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And you said that's the, West- that's the musky capital of Wisconsin. Uh, our registered trademark with the town of Boulder Junction with the federal government, is the musky capital of the world. Of the world. The world champions of the world. Musky, musky capital <laughs> of the world. 
we got a town like that in Ohio, walleye capital of the world. So it could be the yeah. fishing, fishing, uh, fishing town USA is like uh, somewhere up New York, Burt, or somewhere so up by there. If they have to say, what's the do you know per capita per mile of muskie? They don't uh, in in Wisconsin. They do not uh, uh, test any of the rivers for muskies. They only do lakes. What would you have to estimate? How many how many fish you think are per mile there? Well, it's different because a lot of these lake or a lot of these rivers are associated with a, a reservoir downstream. So on one year like this year, because we had such cold weather for so long, um, we didn't get as many fish migrating up the rivers as we normally would, and that includes our smallmouth too. And, and even the walleyes, we didn't get as good a mi- fish migration as we normally would. So we're not going to have as many fish in those kinds of rivers. Uh, in in natural rivers, how many fish per mile? Jeez, oh, because the fish are seasonal, they, they move up and down the rivers depending on the time of the year. I think it's just about impossible to estimate. Um, are there more musky in Boulder Junction than people? Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> sounds like that sounds like town I want to live in. There's, Hell there's yes. probably more muskies in the in the lake right across the street than there are of all the people in Boulder. <laughs> awesome. You know, uh, a quick question on something that we didn't get into yet is uh, you talked about your fly style and everything like that, but we didn't talk about color. Uh, is that perch fly? Is it is it fire tagger? And are the suckers? I mean, are they that? Or do you find any other colors that tend to catch more fish for you? I would say that uh, perch early in the season, and then fire tiger through most of the summer, and then once once we get to uh, about the third week of September or so, depending on temperature, uh, it'll go over to sucker. And we have a fish here called a red horse also. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so... To me, there's two kinds of sucker. There's a light sucker and a dark sucker, and then there's a red horse. The light sucker is a, a white sucker that's in clear water that's a, a real light color, washed-out color. And then a dark sucker is the ones that most of our rivers are tannin-stained, so they're a real darker brown color with some barring in them. Uh, and then the red horse, which is kind of a, a reddish-gold and brown color. So those are the four that I do the most of. Now, sometimes I'll do a fly that's olive on top and and bright orange on the bottom. That works really well in the rivers in the middle of the summer when the water's dark or after a rainstorm or something like that. Um, But usually Fire Tiger does a really good job for me. In the springtime, the fish... uh, will go for a white fly, so sometimes I use white in the spring. Um, a little bit farther west of here, once you get over into the Hayward area, they're real big on the, the pink, uh, but our fish here don't tend, to, uh, don't tend to like the pink as much, and I think it's because our water isn't quite as dark. Okay, so yours isn't as tannic as the Hayward area water. So, yeah, because most of our rivers are starting from our lakes here, and our and some of our lakes are ultra clear. 
I mean, we've got lakes here that are, you know, 100 feet deep, and you can see 30 feet down in them. Um, I was looking so, for one of those yesterday while I was musky fishing. I couldn't find one. <laughs> 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 or carp fishing, I mean. I'm sorry. We don't have carp. You don't we're, have, we're, we're, God bless you. You don't have carp? Yeah. What do you do? What do you do in August? <laughs> we catch smallmouth. Awesome, better trade-off. I'm in for and that. And I can go. I can go. Uh, you know, 45 minutes north and catch trout all season long. I like that too. It sounds like you live in Mecca. Well, it, you know, <laughs> this is. You got to remember though that winter starts about the third week of October, and this year it got done with about the third week of May. That was snow on the ground from the third week of October to the third week of May. I think when we were talking the first time, Bill, I was out morel hunting, and you said there was snow on the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I just saw a picture last week. There were still some icebergs in Lake Superior. What? Yeah. So does, does Lake Superior have a population of muskie? It does, yes. Do you get out and target them at all, or is that too big of no, a too big of a nut to crack? It's a it's it's much farther west, over by Duluth, um, and that's that's a three and a half hour drive for me. Okay. So, yeah, you know, I don't bother going that far. I, I don't have to drive more than about an hour to get to any kind of water I want to fish. To get to your seventy different floats. Yeah. I don't blame Jeez. you one single bit. <laughs> Why leave fish? Why leave fish to find fish, right? Yeah, it, exactly. And, and there's there's 200 lakes in our township, and 198 of them have muskies in them. So, so you know, what about those other two? What 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 what, 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 <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> They're bog lakes that are that are high acidic content and and seepage lakes. So. They're too small to have muskies in them, and they they don't have creeks or anything running through them. If if it's got a creek running through it, it's got a, it's going to have a muskie in it, at least a few. Awesome, because they do, man. They so, yep, blow up the watershed all the way to the top. There's no doubt about it. Mark, um, this is where you should go. There's, I know. There's so, a few rivers that I fish that. You can put in in one location, start catching brook trout, float down in and catch browns. A little bit farther down, you'll get smallmouths and walleyes. Pick up a couple of pike, and on on the right day, you might get a muskie or two before you get to the landing. <laughs> so the only not wild fish would be the, or not native fish would be the brown. That's correct. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yes, yeah. sir. That sounds like our kind of day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we really, uh, brook trout is king here for our trout, so I have a lot of guys who come to uh, to get that 15 to 20-inch brookie. <laughs> That's a wild. Whoa. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Our, <laughs> Sorry. Big brookies for us are like seven. <laughs> so that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I know where you guys are fishing, but that's, that, it is what it is. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, last year, the biggest one we landed was 20, and we missed one that I thought was 22. Whoa. How are you catching and those them? those are in streams. Those are stream fish. Those are not 
in lakes. I was going to say, is that a lake fish? That's what I was just about to ask. Wow. T- what are you throwing for him? Hmm. Uh, most of the time, you know, this, you're talking youper fish, so these things aren't aren't real well educated. Most of them didn't graduate from eighth grade. So, so kind of like youper people. I was going to ask. Yeah. I was going to ask <laughs> ma- mice, but out there, hey, out there, hey. But uh, no, all, all, all kidding aside, though. Uh, you know, small streamers. I mean, a, a size six Royal Coachman streamer is my number one go-to fly. Really? For, for big brookies? Yeah. So you throw a lot of flies like Mickey Finns and old classic yeah. brookies? Yeah, the classics. I, I love the classics. If Carrie Stevens were still alive, I'd be licking her shoelaces. <laughs> <laughs> that that's crazy talk. That that's something we don't even think about throwing around here. I I think it's just because we're hipsters. You no, know? no, it's because when he when he goes to build a muddler, it comes out with all kind of crazy shit on top of it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I I hold a line class world record for walleyes on two pound tippet, a little over ten pounds, that was caught on a size ten muddler. Really. Yeah. Hmm. So, since you had to kill that fish, how did it taste? Uh, you know, I never ate a bit of it. Really? It was, well, it was an 18-year-old fish. It would have been gnarly. <laughs> I let the taxidermist eat it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Such a generous guy. 18 years old. Hmm. That's nuts, man. That's yeah, a monster. On 2X. Yeah, that's pretty wild. You told yeah, me you told me some stories about some old smallmouth. That's why I kept it because I knew I killed the fish by the time I got it in. It was it was like a forty eight minute battle. You told me some stories about some old smallmouth that you caught as well, correct? Oh yeah, we got one uh, last spring that was eight and a half pounds. Wow was that, that was that a bycatch of musky fishing? Yeah, it was. It, it took a musky fly in a spot that we expected a musky to be in. So it's possible that that fish muscled a musky out of that spot to be there. Damn right it did. I, I believe it would have. <laughs> They're mean, mean fish when they get to that oh, size. Know, smallmouths are fearless. I mean, once, you know, I mean, we catch smallmouths all the time on musky flies. And it, it's not unusual for us to get five pound smallies on musky flies anytime we go out musky fishing. And are and it, do you think those are resident river fish or are they migrating with the uh with the muskies in and out to the lakes? Um most of them are going to be migratory fish. They migrate up and down in the from the lakes. That that eight and a half pounder though, that was in a river that there was no migration in. That was a resident fish. So he was just a local badass. Yep. <laughs> Man, they're all attitude. I love those things. Mm-hmm. Even the smaller ones. Mark said he had a, a 14 incher yesterday come up and hit a 12 inch fly. Oh, his fly, oh, was big, yeah. fly was bigger than the fish. And I just, I, I was laughing at it sitting there. So I stopped the fly and I looked at the guy in the back. But I said, check this fly out. Soon, or check this fish. As soon as I stopped the fly, that thing charged and just deboned it right in the side of it. Years ago, when I first started playing around with tandem hook flies, I was, you know, just putting a piece of mono between two hooks, and what did I know? You know, I had a smallmouth come up and hit the fly. It got stuck on the front hook, 
That was a nice small. It was, I don't know, four and a half, five pounds. And another one about the same time came up and whacked the back hook. And between the two of them, they both got away with different parts of the fly. (laughs) (laughs) Unreal. They they totally ripped the fly in half, and the first one got away, and then the second one I was so excited or something, I I broke them off. But (laughs) I ended up with nothing, and those fish both had flies in their mouth. Uh, So, hey, Bill, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think we should be talking about? You know, I'll tell you one thing that I've observed over the years, and that is that muskies are way smarter than we think they are. I've had fish that come up, and a guy misses them the first time, and the fish will come back and get right next to the fly or right behind the fly or go uh, all the way around the fly and inspect the fly. And when I see that happening, I realize that the fish is trying to learn so I'll pull the fly, and I won't let the guy throw back at him because he's not going to get another eat from that fish. That fish is curious, and it's trying to learn. I've seen some learned behaviors that just blow my mind. So they're like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've seen fish come up with their mouths closed and whack the fly with their mouth closed. They just bump it with their head just to see what the reaction of the angler is. Yep. You know, and the, of course the guy rips the fly and then the fish goes, aha, I knew it. Trout set. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Stupid. What the, a jerk. the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, I was floating down the flambeau one day. It was late in the season. It was third week of October. It was cold. The water was flat, calm. The sky was all gray. And uh, there were little schools of minnows, maybe 100 minnows in a school. And, you know, they'd be dimpling the surface, and pretty soon you'd see a wake come in, and a a walleye or a pike or something would go after them. And all of a sudden, the water would blow up with a big muskie. The muskies were using the schools of minnows as bait. I went down this stretch of river, and for a three-mile stretch, every freaking muskie in that portion of the river was doing the same thing. It took me about two or three times of observing this to finally figure out what was going on. So when we saw the minnows dimpling the surface, we would throw at the back end of that dimpling spot, and bam, we'd get hit. We caught four fish over 45 inches that day doing that. What big... Big golden black flies look like big walleye. Yeah, we were just, that's exactly what I was doing. I was throwing a baby walleye pattern, you know, about 12 inches long, and the muskies were just, just hammering it. And, and that, to me, that was a learned response. Some grandma muskie somewhere figured that out and taught that to the muskies in that stretch of that river. I, I haven't seen it again. Until about a year or two ago, I saw it on another river. So it's something that these fish are learning. And that other river that I saw it on was a tributary to to that river. So, you know, through Hmm. migration, maybe that fish is, all of the fish eventually may learn that tactic. So those fish you caught probably taught the fish that they bred, but those fish... 
they got pushed out because they're smaller and had to go to a different tributary. Well, kind of like same, kinda like grizzly same bears. genes, kind of like anything in the trout world. I guess that's all passed on. Yeah, another thing that I've seen is uh, what I call buddy muskies. A big muskie will take on a smaller fish and teach it to take over its spot. So uh, a big fish, will, uh, let's say a 50-incher, will accept a 45-incher in its territory. They got rules. The little fish can't eat until the big fish eats, but the big fish is teaching the little one, it's territory. So the big fish knows that, you know, my days are numbered. Uh, I need somebody that I trust to take over this spot. So I'm going to pick you. You're my buddy. And uh, I, I also hold an IGFA line class record for muskies on 12-pound tippet. And, and I went after the big fish. The little fish was still the line class record. I didn't get the big one. I got the little one. The little one was 45 inches. And you've seen that multiple times? I've seen it hundreds of times. Hmm. I, I figure I've got 6,200 fish landed. I figure that I've probably interacted with somewhere around 25,000 muskies. I'm, I'm sure some of those are repeats. But who's counting? Right. <laughs> no way. You can't be. Couldn't be the same fish. So, uh, so I've seen a lot of a lot of different things from fish. Some fish that have never been fished for or caught before. I, I had one last fall. Big fish, uh, thirty-two pounds, and that fish ate a hole in the bottom of my net while I was trying to row the raft to the shore to get him out. He just he put his head down and he just ate a hole right through the bottom of the net. What a dickhead! Still, still hooked. <laughs> I, I grabbed the line and I pulled him back up. And this thing is between my legs because I'm in the raft with an open floor between my feet. There, there is no floor, and I would get the fish's head up and I try to reach down to grab it and it tried to bite me. <laughs> I did this like. So finally, I got the the swivel in my fingers, and I wiggled my fingers on that hand, and I got its attention, and then I was able to reach down and gill it. But, my God, that fish was just mean. So can we talk about the line class real quick? Sure. Your records? How are you doing that? Are you doing like a 40-pound butt to a 20-pound break, like the, or a 12-pound break like they do with tarpon fishing? And then exactly. instead of having the uh, the forty five pound shock, you're doing your your uh, not too kinky. Yeah, you're allowed to have. You can't have over twenty pound test for your class for fresh water. Okay. It has to be a minimum of sixteen inches inside the knots. Okay, so between the two loops, or right, or bimini's yeah. or whatever they do. Whatever you do. And then you can't have more than 12 inches of bite. So whatever your bite tip it is, that can't be more than 12 inches long. And then you don't have to kill the fish? You, can you don't have to kill the fish. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, and, and, 
they just don't, the inch they requirement then on those? There is, there is no inch requirement except for what might be required uh, by the state. You know, uh, for instance, we've got some lakes up here that have a 50-inch minimum. You could not claim a fish under 50 inches as a line class or, or as a record out of that lake. So you have to be able to have kept the fish. Regulation-wise, yeah. Regulation-wise, okay. they consider it a caught fish. Yep. That, that the state does. That, that's got nothing to do with, with IGFA. That has to do with the state. And if someone comes in your comes with you and wants to have a, a day in the, the water, are you fishing IGFA? IGFA? Uh, only if they want to. I have some guys who, who come specifically to fish IGFA, and then we'll do all the rules, uh, and I'll make sure everything's right because I am an IGFA member. Yeah. Uh, but uh, most of the time, we're fishing way outside of the class. So, you know, I mean, 40-pound test leader, 35-pound bite, that's usually about 15 or 16 inches long. Uh, I'm not trying to, uh, to to follow IGFA. If somebody wants to, we'll do it. But uh, under normal circumstances, no. Yeah, that, that's cool. We That's something we don't ever think of around here, you know. We just, you know, 40-pound mono to, to bite wire and let it rip. Yep, yep. So, hey, Bill, uh, where can someone go to book a trip with you if, if they can and if they would like to? www.wetieit.com. It looks really weird when you write it out. It looks like wet something. I, <laughs> I know. I, I, I hit up or I tagged your Instagram and it was like wet it, wet eye. You know, it, yeah, it was that, weird. We yep. eye go fishing. Now, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for the, the stories of the way back, man. Uh, the line splicing thing, that's pretty much my favorite. That's what happens when my line breaks anyway, so. <laughs> just, just not, just without the kit. <laughs> uh, the, my, the first fly I tied for muskies was actually blue and yellow, because that was the only colors I had <laughs> of the big stuff. Hey man, you gotta make do with what you got, right? You, you should have been right. mar- sharp. It worked. <laughs> you could have sharpied that fish hair. Is that how you got uh, perch patterns? Yep. Yep. I, you know, one one other question with all your experience, I want to, and you know, we ask a lot of guys this. Just one quick thing on the end. Uh, do you find that overall, more than anything, is it's the right fish at the right time, or do you find that it has to be, you know, color or the, you know, what you're doing or anything else? I think that a lot of it has to do with what you're doing. Uh, sometimes conditions are just bad. You know, you, you just it's a it's a high bright high pressure day. The water's high, you just got done with a rainstorm and everything's just, you know, all of the bad stuff is against you. And on on days like that, I have to do what I call manufacturing a fish. I know there's at least one fish somewhere in this body of water that's going to eat. And it's my job to find them. And and if that means that I got to look under every log, I will. Um, and I can usually manufacture a fish. I, I can usually come up with one. I, I don't get skunked. So um, that that's that's an experience thing. 
of knowing what the limitations are of the body of water I'm on and what's the, uh, what's the possibilities today of finding a fish. Like I said, I, I know that on any given day, there's at least one fish that's, that's hungry enough to eat something if we give it to them the right way. So, Bill, so, you don't get skunked. We I like are, that. We are now six months and seven days into 2020, and I have yet to touch a muskie. Oh, that's a shame. And we don't have a season. And we don't have a closed season. Mark, on the yeah. other hand, has, has handled quite a few. You're probably 14 now, Mark? No, not that I, huh? I haven't touched one. <laughs> so uh, we, we definitely appreciate the knowledge of someone who says, I don't get skunked. We, you know, it. Well, we, we heard the numbers just now, so the, we got to know that the experiences were there, the time was put in to come to these sure, conclusions. Yeah. And, and the confidence. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't get skunked these days. There was lots of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're also in the musky capital of the world? Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> the reason why we got that trademark is because there are more fish caught in the town of Boulder Junction than any other comparably sized area in the world. You know, so when you have that many thousands of muskies in your backyard, well, you're going to run into them. Valid point. Amen. It's really hard not to see a muskie on any day. So pretty much best time to come is any day but or any week but 4th of July? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the uh, I, I would say that the worst time is probably from about the third week of June to about the first week of August. So Father's Day to the first week of August. Yeah, or, or yeah, just before the Fourth of July to about the first week of August, because it, it there's so many people here that you know I mean unless you want to fish after dark. Or, or get to some real remote spots, the fish are going to be bothered. Hmm. So, well, thanks again for giving us your time, and we definitely enjoyed the stories. And it's, it's, we don't get to speak with you know many guys with a lot of experience in anything musky. So, it was our pleasure, man. Well, thank you very much. How, how do I get, uh, how do I get a hold of you guys for information? Okay, this is a little after hours of Bill Shear. All right, go back for the story, Bill. <laughs> All right. So we're, I got two guys. They want to fish smallmouth. We're floating down the river in a raft, and they're catching bass like crazy. I guess I always got a musky rod in the boat with me because you never know. And uh, we get into this one pool, and there's, like, no smallmouth. And I said, guys, there's a musky eating in here. Who wants to throw for them? And they're like, are you kidding? Get us out of here. We don't want to catch a muskie. We want to catch bass. <laughs> what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Did it break your heart to row past that hole? It really did, yeah. But I got her at bass, so I went back and got her later. <laughs> you know what I would have done if I were you? Say, hey, guys, who, who wants to learn to row? <laughs> I'll have a guy in the front of the raft. He'll say, oh, my God, my arm's ready to fall off. I'm so tired. 
And I tell them, hey, no problem. I'll trade places with you. <laughs> they never take me up on it. So. I bet. I bet. <laughs> Do you ever get guys that have their own boats, like from wherever they're from, and say, hey, Bill, do you want to take a cast or two? And that they'll take the steps. I have, I have a couple of customers that when they get tired, they say, okay, Bill, go catch one. <laughs> I have I have one customer, he's, he's really a nice guy. Um, he likes to take a nap after he has lunch. So he'll say, uh, take a ride and go walk down the bank for about half hour, 45 minutes, and let me have my nap. And don't tell me what you caught. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty fair, man. Does he always tell you to walk upstream? <laughs> over the water you guys already floated over? <laughs> uh, but it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we got a we got a trip tomorrow with uh, two boats, and uh, it, it's not going to make any difference which boat's ahead of the other one. Um, they're, they're they're both going to get fish tomorrow. What is it? Just the water conditions are right, or the the anglers are good, or do you find a difference that that any of that stuff matters? Oh, sometimes it does. You know, I, I, I feel sorry for the guy who follows me down a river. <laughs> because I know every spot. You know, if, if, if you're relatively new to the river, you don't know every spot. Yeah. But, you know, if you know the water and really know the water, there, there isn't a river up here that I fish that I haven't walked the entire river. So you have 70, 70 different point A to point B floats, and you've walked every one of those? Yep. Multiple times. And, you know, sometimes things change a little bit. Sandbars move or trees come down and create new holes and so on. That's all stuff i got to know. So, you know, I, I get out as much as I can and still try to keep the database up to, uh, up to snuff in my head. Yeah, that's that sounds like a, a a labor-intensive job, but a job of a passionate person, you know. Well, to me, like I said, you know, if it's if it's a failure of equipment or knowledge, that that's my fault. If 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 you lose the fish because you know the fish beat you, that's okay. That that's that's why you're there. Yeah, that's part of the game. The Bulls, right. the Bulls didn't the win they, every championship, right? Yeah. Uh, every, you know, uh, there's times when we're out on the water, and I'm rooting for the fish. <laughs> 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 I, I, I know one fish. Uh, but, Chad, that picture that I sent you with that guy that's holding that 35-pounder? Yes, that, that thing was huge. Yeah, well, you should see it now. That picture's five years old. The oh. fish has got... 45. It's still we around. Hooked, we hooked it twice last year and couldn't land it. Uh, and and that fish lives in the ideal home. It's right at the base of a, about a half-mile-long rapids. The hole's about 15 feet deep, and there's a feeder creek that comes in on the side of it. Well, whenever we have a little rainstorm, that feeder creek fills up with water and gets full of suckers. And that big Sit right at the mouth of the Yeah, it, it's like if I can get there at the right time and the rafts are, 
they're so quiet that I can get close to fish without the fish knowing I'm there. The, the 10-foot raft has less surface area on it than a kayak does in the water. So I can, I can be real sneaky, and that's, that's a big deal, is sneaking up to the fish without them knowing it and, and to put that cast exactly where I want you to put it, because I know what that fish is doing. So, just from... I've, I've caught that fish six times in its lifetime so far. Have you named it? That's Hungry Jack. Hungry Jack? <laughs> it, it's not a lady? Oh, it's a lady, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> it's got a male hey, name. Hey, hey, hey. Hungry Jack could be anybody. He could he could think he's a lady. Come on, Jay. We're in 2020. <laughs> I mean, is jack is jacked up as a year as it's been. The one cool thing that we can, and I've even noticed myself, is, I mean, Jace has always been, he, he has dialed exactly what time of the year. Everything is how it changes what he's going to do. We've all found our place as to what we're going to do. Like, you've stuck to your trout fishing, and you've gotten back in and, like, held with the smallies. You're running for carp and hitting the stripers and what have you when they're ready. And then, obviously, everybody's always going to do smallies. I mean, that's the bread and butter for all of us. And, I mean, like, I've stuck with the muskies and transition from year to like, through the year. And then, like, when you guys are ready, it's like, hey, I want to go muskie fishing. Sure, let's go. And you I've been staying on that? that path. And so it's cool because we've all kind of, and it's all we in our, lo- our, we found found our, our groove with our local water that's, that's different from each other. I was other, talking and to. And we, and we all can still mesh with it, too. I was talking to my brother-in-law even the other night, somebody who doesn't really fish very much. And, you know, and his dad, you know, we were all getting together, planning our trip out west because they was like, you know, I was talking to, like, I said the same thing you just said. I was like, we're all kind of just finding our niches and what we really like to do and what we're liking to spend our time. Were teaching them how to drink beers no, first? No, no, but it was, no, he goes, he goes, Mark, they're what like, I said, drink? Mark, you know, he's been musky fishing a lot and he's been really finding his niche and finding what he likes to do and, you know, really getting good at musky fishing. You know, finding out when fish are, and, you know, sometimes it takes his lumps and like we all do, when we, especially when you're musky fishing. But he's like, are most of those fish from this last year been so recent? And I'm like, since last October, your guy's been on fire. Like, to be honest, like, you like really dial it in what you're doing, and you've been, like, really fishing. getting into what you're doing, even lakes or be it the creeks or rivers, and yeah, kudos well, to you, man. It, and, it, it's you know, hard th- work. That's kind of a perfect segue for yesterday, because yesterday stunk. I started at 5, well, I, I met Derek at about 525 at the launch. I pulled in, and it was just packed. I looked at it, shook his hand, and said, hey, hop in your car, follow me. Ran up to the next launch, nobody there. We pulled in, launch, took off. Yeah, we had to brush through some weeds and shut the motor down, lift it up, you know, to get cabbage out. Pulled out of there, and we just we fished hard. And the wind from this full moon was right off the bat in the morning, and it was blowing right off the bat. And Derek's kind of getting started, and I watch him for a couple minutes. He's like, don't mind critiquing me. I was like, you just, I'm going to watch, and let me build a pattern for you. We'll go. couple minutes, change this, change this. Watch him for a few minutes. Do this, do this. And he was set. I mean, like he said, I go, here's, uh, he had his 10 weight. I brought two different reel setups. This reel is this weight line. It sinks this fast. This reel's heavier. It does this. It sinks fast. What do you want to throw? I want to throw that one. And he's like, I'm going to stick with it until I feel and get casting with this rod. And he did. He just, I offered him change this or try this. Nope. I'm going to learn this. And I tell you what, throughout the day, he just kept working it, working it, working it. And you tell him change this, try this. 
by the end of the day, he was fishing effectively. And he was putting himself in position on that lake to where he could he could definitely get to where he could catch a muskie at. And it was kind of cool because it's like he has the will for it. He wants it and just... He's got he the pushed. arms for it. That's for goddamn he, he sure. He definitely <laughs> did. And by the end of the day, I'm telling you, he is he's about two three steps short of getting exactly. If he can come just a little touch lower, and when he gets that first haul, letting that line go a little bit. So it'll gain speed to get that extra distance for him because he has plenty of power in it. And then when he's coming forward, instead of powering it real fast like a punch, give it a long, a long, a long haul to a stop, and he'll have it down within a couple more trips. Ah, you got to cast bad that before stop, you cast that good. That stop at the end That's is for sure. very... 100%. I mean, you do. you got to yeah. start somewhere. Well, and everybody don't feel the load until you actually know where it's at, the timing, the... And then you're switching the rods. Well, and that's like, you know what, with with my lines too. Like when you switch a line to a rod, now it's loading at a different time. So now, you know, and I feel like when I get a rod or and and a line down and I can really, really jack it out there, it's because I've been passing with it, you know, a couple of times. Both of you got to see like recently with that big 700 grain on that rod. It's one haul back. As soon as I feel it just start ready to tug, I hammer one haul, let go. That is it. One haul. That's probably what seventy, eighty foot, all yeah. day long, all day. And that's and with a two hander. That's with a two hander. And now I have been like water hauling. But with when it you're single handing it. But when I'm single handing with hard. It, 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 that's why, like, it's like you you give it a, like a little false cast forward, then boom, let go, let all that line shoot, and then hammer it one time, and then it, it's at least only one hammer on your arm. Then when it starts getting sore, you go to the two. But that's like with yesterday. It's that was. A big part of the day. I mean, I was fishing by 6 o'clock. I came off the water close to 8. And majority of that day was in sustained white caps. And I just pushed my boat right up against pretty much the dam, sat on the dam. And as that wind kept pushing me back, I kept pushing myself forward. And I just kept beating that up and down, up and down, up and down. I went across that thing five times. Were there went, many boats doing There was that? nobody down there. Nobody. Too up windy, on the bro. upper. Oh, yeah, no one was messing with it. I couldn't tell you the people that, like, were floating by on a pontoon were like, you are nuts. Like, I know. But I'm going to get one. And I never did. I I moved smallly after smallly after smallly all day long. But I couldn't get on fish. I mean, early in the morning, we set up off where I I had that one sting me last week. We floated through there, and I thought it was weird because it moves a lot of smallmouth. And there there was no muskies. No muskies on the screen, no muskie boats. So I was like, let's move out to deeper water right off this bank. And we come off this bank, and it's like a shelf, and it goes to five foot, then it drops to seven, and I just nudged the boat into eight, and I stop. I said, all right, if you're okay casting the opposite way, if I can keep us here, I can keep pushing a boat on this shelf, and every time I drop from eight foot down to 10, 11, boom, there'll be fish and fish and fish, and there's muskies in there. You have a lot of walleyes, and you get a couple doozy marks. And then you started seeing the trollers come by, and it's like, yeah, we're in the fish now. That's what you got to look for. You got to look for the guys that have the most contact with the fish. Yeah, and it was funny mm-hmm. because th- here comes his boat, and Derek's like, uh, like, he's that. he's fishing for a walleye. I said, well, no. Are you sure? I said three things. One, look all that all them rods are in down position. Look how fast he's going. I go two. Look at the size of them rods. Three. <laughs> He's going about five two. <laughs> yeah. He is cooking. No regard. That yeah. night, yeah. that nine nine yeah. is cranked up to about yeah. halfway right now. He's yeah. moving. Yeah. Not finesse but, fishing oh, over there. The best. Okay, so this guy goes by, and here goes a boat, another boat, 
and we're kind of laughing because here comes one. He's like, oh, he's scooting pretty good. Because, I mean, we're setting up a drift, and we're in between boats, and I'm nudging us in between as we're drifting. And here comes another one. Here comes another one. And I'm like, Derek, this dude's hauling around the corner. He's coming hard. I look again. I'm like, he's got three people in the boat. How's he going that fast? Oh, <laughs> you, all of a sudden, this freaking Amish dude passes us running twin 20 tillers. <laughs> with, them, with them hooked together with one handle, hauling 16-foot boat running 40 horse on that lake. Like, so what's the legality with I that? Don't, I don't know. I, you're only allowed you to have a 20-horse, man. Oh, it, it's got to be less than 20. They didn't say less than one motors. It could be got to be less than two motors. That dude had three people in a 16-foot and had to be cruising... 20? He's not even allowed to use goddamn gasoline. Yeah, they oh. are. Oh. Yeah, they're allowed to use gasoline to run generators to run their like shops and stuff. What are you talking about? Well, That's I how s- they run I Amishville. Seen them towing how the hell do you think they make row, cabinets so and different things? They're allowed to do whatever they want. They're allowed to use gasoline. They're not allowed electricity. No. They better no not have a fucking depth finder on there. So, uh, I, that's also a liquid DC battery. Yeah, that's that's yeah, how, they tra- how they charge it, motherfucker. Right? That's DC, right? Yes. Right. Yes. DC. How yes. do they charge yes. it? She's in a car battery. <laughs> Somebody uh, else's house. At my out house. Their, out of their, <laughs> my house. Out of their car. <laughs> but hey, Jay, but you speaking mind if we of hauling, though, I'm on the bottom end, and it's white capping. Pretty hard. I'm like, screw this. Off I'm the yoder toter in the in the in the, uh, in the parking lot. I'm sorry. Keep going, right. Mark. So they drove like, faster just, on water than they did there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm just going to get hauling up for a while and see if I can find a break. And I just kept going and going, and I couldn't find any points or anything to get in. So I turn, and I start coming back, and I'm flying at this point because I'm by myself. So I pull out the Navionics, and I'm, like, riding the top of the white caps at, like, 22, 23. And I ju- and I I don't know what happened. Whether one was deeper than the other, and just ping, 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 and I'm skipping over the top of them. Catch one. And one of them had to have been a little bit further. And I catch it, boom! And it shoots the front of the boat straight up in the air. And at this point, there's a wake in front of me from a pontoon. Mm-mm. So I come down off it. I hit that wake on the side, and the boat goes immediately like boom sideways. And I just shut the motor and stop it. I I look behind me and there's like a wee little bay with like little less of like no white caps. I troll over in it and like, yep, I'm going to sit and fish here for a little while now. (laughs) This is my spot. (laughs) It puckered me up quick. So you, so you was about just fine. The motor there. almost Bam. steered you. The motor was out of the water when I nosed down in and it dropped and it shot me straight up. The motor was completely up out and I came down. In that, that in, in, in the wake was sideways, and as soon as I hit it, the motor caught and it went. Push you right the bow right in. Sent yeah. straight. Oh yeah, you gotta be careful out there. You're not a bass guy. No. Hey, on, I didn't have any. No you ain't got no stickers to, to for somebody to come scoop you out of there. <laughs> Whew, that one. Yeah, that definitely. Not but I guess the big thing that that taught me was is when it gets to this time of the year and like that, there's better alternatives. Move to it. I mean, Stay that's by just shore and away from people if you can. You not know. really. No, no, you just no. move. You move off that lake. Yeah. I mean, because you you can't move into shore there. It's weed choked the whole way out till you. I mean, it, it, five foot still weed choked to the top. It's just. It's, it's a done. great spring lake. It's a great spring lake. Let's see how it does in the fall, but in the summer, to, with there's just too much wind to try to beat that in 17 and 20 foot of water. It's if it was lake. fishable and you could do it effective, okay. But I can't. If you're get trolling, yeah. Yeah. 
So we have other rivers and smaller lakes. Let's focus the time there. And if not, jeez, yeah. you know, north. If, if yes, if you if you would, if, man, if they would stock our river with tons of musky, like they do that place. Jeez, didn't when he described that river, didn't it remind you of what we talk about our local as like mm-hmm. really tight kind of up top? What it do you can mean get tight. when they sight fish? Well, no, 50 up top inches. it can get a little tight, but you go, you know, so many miles down, and it's you know it's really wide, big river, and that's only you know how many miles down? Yeah. You know, seven, eight miles down. Newcastle, yeah. say Newcastle is you know where our river really starts to get real wide, and it doesn't look any smaller again. Yep. Yeah, you know but then I mean? again, it's lost the mystique of having any currents any oh sure sure no i'm just saying like it just reminded me the same thing of his and if it had musky in it like like their plate like they would run that, like the they musky capital of the world it would oh mm-hmm. man they just need to stock it out outrageously and they would all it'd be, they'd be fine it could hold that many I just don't think the the thought process and the stocking that oh, place I mean, is that, that way and especially with no. all the pcbs and everything else that's going wrong with it i mean i mean that it could be I'm a on. great I mean, everybody knows it's Pimatuni. Yeah. But that's arguably one of the most heavily stocked musky lakes there are in, in PA. No, the most. It is the most. The most? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, it's what the one of the biggest lakes. The biggest park in Yeah, the biggest yeah, lake. It's just of over all. seventeen thousand oh, well. acres. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a hall. You figure I took out at the tip of the north end. The one yeah, and we it was a twenty n- it was a twenty nine minute drive for me to go put my boat in down at the south end. Oh yeah, we when you went to the north in that one day, and it was an after work thing. Even mm-hmm. at that, it was an hour plus drive. Yeah, we were we were on the road for a long, long time, and I'm like, that's I, where we put in before, and I'm like, now we're driving and driving and driving. Forty felt like forty something. And you figure I've hauled there seven, eight times this year so far. Hey, it was worth it the day we went. Yes, it was. <laughs> the, the put south, a forty one like in the boat. Yeah. The, the south end of that lake close. The yeah. north end. Not so close. No. No. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I really I really prefer the north end as a fly fisherman. Well, you you could look at at a depth perspective probably there, right? You know Big time. Lot, a lot more depths you can cover effectively or feel like you're in their face more. So mm-hmm. and Big a lot time. of structure and a lot of Oh, there's fish, a lot of structure, a lot of down timber, staying, a lot well, of weed. Fish that are gonna stay in that bait fish and such, so and that seems, I mean, I know it's going to heat up here and start pushing fish out, but I think up to this time of the year, into early June, you can you can fish it right from ice out the whole way into early mid June. That and then after that, yeah, you're that probably lake's got to be uh, a lot cooler than anywhere you you know other than that, I would imagine. Well, I know, you know our local I mean? lake. I was hitting them temperatures of two weeks ago there. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it hit 74 there yesterday. I was hitting that definitely two weeks ago in the local lake. So Flying, it's, it's I mean, heating up, spring's hey, coming you, to you, an end. Have you got a hold of, uh, and I know you talk to him all the time, but uh, uh, Dunn from up Morn. Oh, yeah. Do you go up and fish it all together? We, You know what? Him and I have tried a handful of times so far. We'll definitely line one up soon. But I know he's fishing up. Um, he's doing a lot of his up Chautauqua now. Yeah. And that's probably on my end what I'll start here shifting towards is getting up into, not, not necessarily Chautauqua, that's just... Like I said, on a, maybe a not on a windy day. Maybe or not unless a, you're going to run gear. It, maybe not on a windy day. If I can get there on a day that it's safe, I would run it, yeah, for sure. But there's a lot of other lakes that are local. Yeah. They'll stay cool, and I'm definitely going to start on, on, like, Saturdays when i got a full day off. I'm going to run there for the day. At least stretch the season out into maybe hopefully into July, and then it'll be done. <laughs> so, Chad, you had, a, you had a fun experience with some buddies yesterday. Not, mm-hmm. you, no, you yeah, you're that? all good. Roll. Uh, 
I want to hear about it because I made a stupid comment a few we- months ago, or maybe even a year ago, and I, I, I'm great at stupid comments. You know, I see something, and when I see something, it's like, oh, look at the squirrel. You know what I mean? Like, that's the guy I am. I'm like, you no, know, but, but what was like a it? fucking stupid-ass dog. So, Chad, when Chad... If what well, Chad's wife calls you on the phone in his car, she calls like eighty-five times every trip. Oh yeah, well when we're on the ride home, they always talk to each other. So no matter what happens, she's gonna call or he's calling her or something's happening. So on on the Bluetooth on his on his truck, there's like a screen, you know, and Bob pops her name with what is what? a hot picture of your pro- wife, man? A, I it's, a profile picture. Yes, and she's probably she's in lingerie. Well, this yeah, and this is <laughs> and this is from probably I mean, got to be eight, eight, nine years ago. No, like yesterday. That was, that was last year, bro. Oh, awesome! Even better. You're yeah. and then so my comment is as his wife picks up the phone is, Holy. oh, dude, your wife looks hot in that picture, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and she picks up and immediately is pissed. He glares at me like I like to it's like devil eyes. And, I, you know, this is the greatest comment I've ever made in my life at this moment because I'm dying. I'm laughing inside and I just love it. Wait, wait. So who was in the back seat? Oh, and, yeah. And her brother-in-law, her sister's husband. is My brother-in-law. Mike. Yeah. Who fishes with us on, on occasion and lately a little more and uh, again and. Oh, just, a, you know, great comment, and, you know, wife's pissed, says you got to take the picture off the phone. So, yeah, yeah. Chad, <laughs> jump forward to a year later. Jump forward to a year later, which was yesterday. <laughs> so, we uh, we did the carpet side tournament yesterday. Uh, my brother-in-law, Mike, and myself, and uh, a brand new fly fisherman, Jared, who does listen to the show. He's a truck driver that uh, I met through work. Um, we, uh, we're... Finish up for the end he of the He does your archery league as well? He does my archery league as well. And uh, he actually gave me a, a trad bow to try out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try shooting a trad bow, which is traditional archery, no sights, no nothing. Huh. Stick bow. <laughs> so you go, Chase. Chase says you have to say anything. No, no, don't worry. No animals will be harmed. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So target, Mike. Pizza box made. May get a, a like a, a grazing or something. I, a I asked Jared. Grazing. I said, "So Jared, like we were sitting around drinking coffee in the morning. He was showing me how to string up this bow. He's like, like, how many? Uh, oh, I love this song. This is our. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, Beast to the East. Beast to the East song. <laughs> but uh, so I was like, Jared, how many carp have fell victim to this bow? He's like, oh my, oh my." I shot so many fucking carp with this bow. He's like, I shot thousands of carp with this bow. So, so are you so, gonna start shooting carp now? No, no, I'm not gonna start shooting carp. <laughs> no. But we Chad went, loves his carp too much to shoot them. We went up to a spot where Jared used to shoot carp. Hey, it could be like uh, a skeet shoot. You can catch a carp, I'll release it, and you shoot it as it's going away. I can do that. <laughs> okay, back to your saying. But I went to uh Still giving him a chance, huh? I went. We went up to a spot where Jared used to shoot carp with his bow, and there were so Stacked. many, so many carp, so many. A place you don't fish, then? They no. were all doing it missionary style. One was on the back and one was on the top. Like no, one was upside were, down. There were like four little carp. That's how they do it, right? Doing bukkake on the big <laughs> carp. Little carp isn't like four pounders. Yeah, yeah, but they they like they actually have penises and they have like sex. No, they were bukkake. They don't like lay eggs and stuff like no, normal fish, right? They were spraying. <laughs> they impregnate and then they 
they they they drop a four pound. Yeah, burn. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what happens, it's right? Like yes, a, a yes, human yes, burn. yes, 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 exactly. Burn. Yes, okay, okay. <laughs> they're not okay. dropping loads, mammal. No, burn. yeah, yeah. That's how it happens. Like, they have big car pieces. Not gonna lie, I bet I tried about eight times to stick one in the head with a fly yesterday. So can I can I get something off my chest? I did foul hook a carp yesterday, <laughs> like right between the eyes. Oh, that's great! <laughs> Hell of a but drift, huh? It if it's if it's oh. in the if it's above the gill plate, it's it's a legal hook. It was totally covered with heart. Carp herpes. Like, I had my fly right in front of his face. See, so it was like I told you they have penises and fucking jizz. It was like a dead one floating and you drift into his forehead. I drift. <laughs> I, I put it right in front of his face like four times. Like, bump, bump, bump. And Jared's like, so, like I've seen your eyes, bro. I've seen your eyes. Yeah. So, I, I was going to take a picture with it, but it was fuck. I, I wasn't going to pick that thing up. <laughs> it was filthy. <laughs> so so uh so that was herpes as well. Dude, what I had you one of them like that swim up to the boat. Local one. It was the whole back of it was all white and like yeah, fuzzy. This one, this one had white spots on yeah, it. And like, the front half was it was like swam right up to the boat was like help me. Its, <laughs> whole, its whole tail was rotted off of yeah. it. But uh we did see a goldfish. As like a tank what? goldfish? Like or one like the, a uh, koi fish. Like a three pound goldfish. Like uh-huh. sucker like carp. Nope. Like a gold, gold no, fish. like one that ah, got sh- like flushed fish. down the toilet in yeah, Sharon sure. and then ended up in the river. No, that that's flowing north. <laughs> okay. Like from like maybe got flushed in Jamestown. Yeah. Went in. No, no, I'm saying like right down in the river and just and yeah. swam up there. Yeah, yeah, it was Dang, Dory. Should have shot that thing. I didn't have a bow just with me. I had <laughs> she tried snagging it. I I tried. Believe me. I bet. <laughs> it's hard. Sna- there was like it's like a grass mat in that place. Mm-hmm. So I was throwing flies in front of these fucking carp. Like when I say fucking carp, I mean like they were actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's what I mean. Giant dicks on these things, man. They're like three feet long. And it's like a twelve pound carp has like a three foot long. We're dick. literally floating into this like weed bed yesterday, and it is just. You can look across it and see probably 15 different splashes at the same time, just carp going at like everywhere across the whole bay. So we we did that. We we spent two hours and we're like, fucking carp. These carp are fucking, we're, we're not going to get, we progressively saw the entire, like, uh, was like a holding pond, retention pond, get muddier as the day went. Mike and I caught some panfish, you know, we're like. This is this is stupid. We're not gonna catch one of these fucking carp. We're having literally s- having sex carp, fornicating carp. Yes. Uh, with, with the amount of cunts from last week, these fucking carp. So, um, we went we went to a boat launch, and it was super clear, and there were a bunch of like bucket size potholes, and bluegill sitting on the pothole. It's like, all right, Jared. Here we go, brother. We're going to get you a fly fish. And uh, couldn't catch a goddamn bluegill off a of bed. So, did you uh, did you take these guys to a place where we know some fish are at? Uh, okay, so we went, we left the boat launch that had the bedding bluegill that Jared couldn't catch a, a bedding bluegill at. And we went to a place where Mark and I have musky fished before. And, uh... I saw about six muskie. For real, six. One of them was about 38 inches long. And... No shit. Oh, for real, man. I, I have pictures of it. I'll show you. Like, I, I circled it and... 
pictures. Uh, and then people floated kayaks over top of them, and they spooked off. And then they came back, and then another group of people floated kayaks over, and they spooked off again. And they came back, and we were pointing them out to the people in the kayaks. We're like, hey, there's a muskie. Look, right there. It's going to come bite your asshole. And <laughs> the lady's like, oh, my asshole. <laughs> so it, it was pretty funny. Um, but we didn't see any carp there because there were six muskie, you know? Yeah, no, carp and muskie don't go along usually. So we, we left there. That was about, oh, shoot, that was about noon. We left there, and we came back down, and we fished uh, a, a spot that's really local to us. And where I, I went and hooked the four hybrids the other day. Word. And, and uh, Mike hooked one on a second cast. I was like, Jared, I'm not casting until you catch a fish. Not going to do it. That lasted about 20 minutes. But uh, Mike Linda. Was he just not, what was he not understanding? You know what? He was casting very well. It was just low and clear that day. There, the the hybrid, you, you know how they get when it's low and clear there. When I had a good day, it was high and dirty. Low, oh, sure. Yeah, low yeah, and clear, yeah. it's hard. They've been educated. We educated them very well this yeah. spring. So we beat the fucking shit out of them. We walked. See it too long. We yeah. walked. <laughs> they, they understand. They're not stupid. We walked down a little bit, like to a a different feature in that area. Caught some largemouth. I caught a a nice largemouth, probably thirteen, fourteen inches. Did the guy who never caught one on the fly catch one? No. <laughs> I would. I cast out real quick. I was like, all right, Just Jared, to show him right. This is what we did. Yeah, no, it's so tough. I said, like, you cast out. You give it one of these big upstream, we call this a mend. Yeah. You give it a big upstream mend, let that fly swing, and then I said, you twitch your rod as it as it's coming across. And he's like, but that's not how a, a, a fish swims. I said, I know it's not how a fish swims, but as, it's, as you throw that upstream mend, that fly sinks, and then when it swings across, it's coming up in the water column as it's swinging across, and it looks really good goofy and weird to the fish and they're going to come up and swipe it and as i said swipe it a smaller came out and went boom and hit my my big white fly i said ah just like that you see that he's like yeah, i saw that but it didn't get hooked so uh he did that for a while and he was casting very good doing the upstream end and then uh we we left that spot went back up to like the the original side where you walk down He's like, dude, I'm getting like seasick. Like standing in the water. water. He never really yeah. waited before. <laughs> yeah. And it was muddy enough that he couldn't My see his feet. My wife gets that shit, dude. He couldn't see his feet, Seriously. but he could see the water moving. Oh, yeah. You never got that, man, when you were younger, like wading through the water? Like, man, I used to get as I never all the time have had an issue with that. When I was a kid. Water-wise. I, I never had an issue with it, but. Oh, yeah. I, I breathe some exhausted on older boats and be a little bit fucked up. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've had that. <laughs> Even the Shannick, when we, you know, fish there. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, the, the, the stream going over your feet. You, you keep looking at it for so long and you're like, you lose. The, now, you don't ever get that? I mean, yeah, I've had the dizziness, that. But I've never I mean. had, like, like uh, That's what I guess what I'd call okay, seasickness. It's just the dizziness uh, yeah, and the okay, sickness I from, like, you. seeing the current constantly moving. Then usually I'm like, boom, and I snap out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You look up, you snap out of it. Oh, no. But to get back to the original point of the story, at the end of the day, we're all in my truck. And my wife calls me. 
and it went ring, 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 ring. I hit the answer. Everything popped up on the screen. And Jared's like, hey, that's a nice picture of you, Ashley. <laughs> he had met her for the first time that morning as she was walking out for work. And Ashley said, oh, my God, Chad, and hung up on me. <laughs> and Mike's in the backseat again. And Mike's in the backseat. He said, I thought you were supposed to get rid of that when Jay, uh, Jay said something. <laughs> I said, no, my real friends don't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> New guy fucked it up. <laughs> all, all my old friends. Jay already said something. He, he, so, he just looked at the picture so, now like a, like and, a and you must Now you were busted. Of the, hundred, busted. of the hundred or two times I've seen that picture, I've never said one word. I know. <laughs> I've sat there quietly in the passenger seat the whole time. <laughs> You know me. I'm I'm gonna say something as soon as I fucking see that. I'm gonna throw your ass cleanly under the bus. Oh, just for, I know. Just for the satisfaction of my own amusement is for, why I did that. For the satisfaction of me having to beat off for the next three days. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, this, watch, watch Chad's wife get real pissed at him real quick. Oh, this is about to happen. Oh, dude, your wife looks real hot in that picture, bud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean. I just saying, you and, know. and your dumb ass answered it? No, he answered it. Oh, I, I was going to say. No, it was already the, on the thing. I, I thought Jason picked the phone up. Like, oh, here oh, we go. Oh, this is on his Bluetooth on his no, it's like it goes Oh, okay. The, now I'm seeing it. So it's on the screen on the Bluetooth on the truck, and you're sitting in the passenger seat like, hey, that's a hot picture of your wife, bro, and while she's on the phone with you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Dude, I am pumped and terrified all at the same time to go out west. They changed our flight patterns, and uh, are, you, are you flying through somewhere different? Where yeah, we have to make like an extra stop, so it's gonna be like three stops both ways now. Chicago to so Denver. Oh well, Denver. There you go, bro. Oh, I know. I got well. The way out's only like an hour layover, so I won't have any time to do anything. Uber. They got Uber probably. Yeah, that. I'm sure they do. Uber eats. Uber smokes. But Uber anything, man. So sure they got a company for that. <laughs> sure they got a company for. I'm sure they do. So, uh, Denver, yeah, I got time Denver for that. flying in the Bozeman, which will be fun, you know. And and it will, the you, shitty here's the shitty part. You guys go to the Sim Shop. Like where the Sims manufacturing shop? I talked to my dad. So the guys may do their own thing on the way back to, you know, where it's like an hour and a half to where we're staying. The meat eater uh, studio or like headquarters is also in Bozeman. Oh yeah, all that stuff. I mean, that's a, that's a yeah. big ass. That's a big place. Yeah. It's or relatively so big, I guess you would say. To are you what bring, is the towns? Are you bringing Montana craft beer back for us? Probably not. <laughs> that stuff weighs a lot, man. Should probably ship it. Maybe I'll just put it in my carry-on. No, ship but it. But my carry-on is so like my carry-on looks like it's ready to explode because it is my bag. We have a uh, washer dryer where we're staying, so you don't have to take yeah. too much god awful shit. You if you get something too fucked up, you just wash a damn thing. So, but I, I'm just I'm I'm super pumped. I mean I can't I can't I cannot wait to spend a day with uh, the guys from the slide in. Like I am I'm really pumped up. My dad's super pumped up. Uh, we talked and told them that two of the guys are a little less experienced, fly fishermen. And my dad and I, you know, we strip streamers on a normal basis. So uh, we're not great, but we'll be, we'll be able we're to. We're efficient. Yeah, we're efficient. We'll you be still heckle us. Dad, dad's going to, dad's fly casting is going to look like shit. But what he does once the fly hits the water, 
he does a good job. He's gonna, the, he's probably going to catch a big fish, and I won't, and I'm going to be like, son of a bitch. <laughs> you say, my fly casting does look much better. No. But I don't work the fly as well as my old man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Make sure you have a super fast rod, or I'm going to have wind knots all day long. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it better be the fastest rod in the world. I need it. I want the fastest rod in the West. <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to need it. Absolutely. And and the guy who takes the most uh, gentleman's breaks, please. So did you bring hot sauce? Did you pack hot sauce? No, why? <laughs> so you can pour on yourself when a cougar attacks you. Oh, no, no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> you have... Buffalo Jason wings. But no, <laughs> I knew from everything Matt said, <laughs> everything Matt said, you're more afraid of the bison being right there on top of you than anything else. Like there will be bison. He said on a few of the places I'm gonna fish, uh, places he was talking about uh, fishing in Yellowstone itself, just giant bison right across. I mean, he said when there's a when there's a 1200. To whatever I, it might even be bigger than that I don't know they're they're giant giant animals. I just listened to a podcast today about two people being attacked by bison. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like today, water, I listened to it. Water buffalo and bison and shit like that. They're as mean as anything out there. There's, so I'm only scared water of buffalo moose. there. I'm I know, but I'm moose. saying those types of animals, the animals that run the plains in large a- places like that, are usually big badass motherfucking animals. <laughs> they're in the uh, what's it called from Scotland though. Tidal River. Yeah, the Tidal Pool. What's the Tidal River? The bison are there? The yeah. bison run the Tidal River, yeah, in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Along with they, lo- they open the gates and they let the water up and down. Along with Nessie. They yeah. will let, yeah. let Nessie in and out. How the hell would she yeah. get in and out, right? With Sasquatch on her shoulders. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Scott would believe it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I was super, super pumped to go up there. I mean, I, I want to. We were talking outside and even wait, Mark and wait, I said. Before you blow past this. You said Mark, or uh, you said Scott, and something about Sasquatch. I typed in O ye of little faith, like hashtag O ye of little faith, into Scott's uh, Sasquatch post the other day. There's more than a hundred posts that have hashtag O ye of little faith. Really? Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> that's your name, right? That's that's what we refer to Mark as. <laughs> o ye of little faith. <laughs> so okay. Okay. No. I... <laughs> I, I, Mark and I were talking outside though, and he's even saying to me, I was, you know, you can catch brown trout here. You can catch over 20 inch brown trout here. You're never going to catch a cutthroat trout here. So, you know, I think most of my fishing, other than when I'm going to be with Kelly and them, uh, will, or his guys, will be based of trying to catch, catch cutthroat trout. I, and I don't know, I don't think they're quite spawning yet there from what I was reading. And everything, but uh, we saw videos, and I, I, what do you think about that? Is that wrong to do, or I, I, I don't understand all that either too much out there? What do you think, Chad? Uh, fishing for spawning fish is kind of fucked up. I mean, I'm not going to fish two fish off their reds, because that's just not my style, and if I see fish on the reds, you know me, I'm not going to do it, because it's too easy. I, I understand that. Um, and if they're... No. Would, I think would, it'll be. I think it'll still be too cold. Would would even so if you changed elevation and went and fished like yeah, different fish water. Go fish higher. That's what I mean. Like I think I'll like with as cold as I think everything seems like it's gonna be. It'll be still Behind, pre-spawn. No doubt, what, have you checked weather this week out there? Oh, it's gonna be gorgeous. Like what? Like like between 40s and 70s and sunny. Other than when we're gonna fish, it's gonna be 
overcast and a little bit rainy for when Perfect. we're stripping streamers for brown trout. Like, yes, I'll put my rain jacket on, bro, and I don't give a shit. That's what you want. Fuck the weather. You know, we always say, fuck the forecast. It don't matter. It doesn't. My dad's like, we got rain jackets, bro. You only have so many days to fish. Might as well do it when you can. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all the other days, though, like the sightseeing, and we're going to be doing a lot of fishing, it seems like, I guess. So, uh, Friday, I think I'm either running a small cutthroat trout stream, or depending on how easy it's going to be and what we find out, I might go fish a couple of the main tributaries to the Yellowstone in, in the Yellowstone River, or in the Yellowstone National Forest, which your buddies, like I said, your buddy told me about. And you look them up, and it just the the roads all run the creeks and the rivers like they run the whole way, and there's just pull off after pull off after pull off. And you seems like you could just if you took two cars, you could drop a car, take a car, walk oh, down. Oh, if it's like that, fish an area, <clears throat> jump in, go yeah. hit the next area, pop, like, pop, pop, and then find a good area, then start there's, wading. There's another like there's another creek your buddy told me about that runs into another creek that we I'm just gonna fish that. It's all within like an hour and 15 minutes. Just so that's not bad. To wake up and go an hour and 15 minutes in the morning, that's like perfect because it lets, gives you time to wake up. Yeah, no. Gives you time so to get moving a little. And that's all close. Yeah, that's very close. So that all seemed like a great idea. And then there's uh, another creek that he said that, goddamn, take your bear spray on up about an hour north of where we're at. And it all, and that, that and it's got eight to 10 inch cutties in it. You know, more like a brookie stream, like when the you know you said it's a, one of the, like like the best brookie stream you'll see in PA is like that place, and I'm like, oh, that would be fun too. I'm into that, so might take my wife and uh, you know when everybody wants to go one day, go there because people are gonna put their fi- you know hands on fish, and that would be fun. What so. that was the place where you need the bear spray? Yeah, you take everybody. Yeah, so, so, so you got a better chance. So now all we gotta well, do is my, outrun Riley, no, real nice. My, uh, no, no, not Riley, but. Uh, <laughs> Like oh, you grab her. You get outrun still outrun my people. Wife, well, my brother-in-law, if he goes, nobody's outrunning him. He's, you have to knock a, him down, then try to run. I'm, I'm gonna. I, you have to beat the shit out of him. That guy can run. He's he's a runner. So, but his dad's like sixty something, and my dad's in his late fifties. So they're eight first. So here's the idea of that. <laughs> They've lived the full life. Yeah, you've already <laughs> lived the full life. I'm out of here, deuces. But uh, no. Uh, Make sure they catch one if, first. If, if at somebody's least. if somebody's paying attention to me or, or listen to me on where the hell they should be casting or my dad about casting because we're the only two people that have any kind of experience on any of this shit. Or two have pe- a spotter. Two people. Yes, one person has to be mm. looking around with well, bear spray. That person's holding the bear spray. I mean, you it, know, is it is it going to be? When it's your turn, you can, we'll we'll move on and we'll go to the next hole. When it's your turn. Okay, my turn. I don't need anybody else. Just keep your eye out. Don't let me get eaten. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more open areas than some, but you don't. You probably don't have man, to. some of these areas they look they man I look at them on the Google Maps and I've lived on Google Maps. Well, for they're just the brush. Last, it, you get up so high on an altitude where you're going to be fishing for the, a lot of these fish, and it's like there's no trees left. The only trees are where the creeks are, you know. And then a couple of the other places are like the big meadow. What you think of when you think of you know Yellowstone? You're fishing in a giant meadow with all the bison in it and. Da 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 da. That kind of thing will be a, you know, that will be a joy. I, I can't wait to do that. And especially if they said there's, and your buddy also sent me a 15 minute video that they made of being out there, which, you know, just it was it was cool. It was cool to watch. It was a little silly at first, and it, you know, I got, but it was it was good, and it showed the fish, and it showed the size of the creek, so you got an idea. Did you tie some flies for them guys that ain't 
ain't so great a fisherman. You get some weighted, tie them some weighted well, stuff like that I had might, had a, might help with be it not mending so well. What are you talking about, dude? I got throw I got, a couple indicators. I in got there. tungsten mops out here, dude. All right. Tungsten beaded mops that are He's gonna kill ready. the flies. They're gonna kill everything. Chad gets a plastic fly box and it weighs a rubber. pound when he's done with them you, tungsten mops. You, you <laughs> got the rubber. How many more mops you got? You might have sent. Worms. You might have sent me with some mops too. I got a bunch. I have okay. one at yeah. home that obviously Michael gave it to me and said, "Will you tie me some with these?" I tied him a dozen flies and it sat there since. Oh, like oh, a, one of them it. big hand things. You got yeah. nymphs and shit in it. The mop. No, it's, no, the, it's the, mop. the actual the actual mop. Not oh. tied. You said about having. The oh material. no! I said he has mop flies. He oh, can send me with already oh, oh, oh. already tied, right? Yeah. I thought you wanted. I, ha- I have tie. a bunch, but I got a bunch of. Uh, you can never have too many when you're out there. Little green caddis, like soft tackle mops, huh? That are gonna be fucking I'm, off the chain. I might try them for the tails on them little mm. feather changers. Mm. Well, we're gonna go over your house. It's still light outside. We'll go over your house after this, and you're gonna have to set me up with a few <laughs> things before I leave. All right. Well, let's cut the shit off then, so I can get it posted and uh. All right. Well, one other thing I was going to ask you. You guys want to call me when I'm in Montana? No. I think I'll actually be on the way home <laughs> from only my guided trip. You, only yeah. if you we're, catch we're fish. We're good. We're going to enjoy the week if without you. If you don't you. catch oh, okay. fish, <laughs> you will be heckled. We'll let you enjoy the week without us. How about that? No, dude. You should, <laughs> dude, you should get me on here. It'll be right after the trip. I'll probably be on the drive home on that Sunday. You're doing 20 miles in a fucking day. We're Dad's going to drive home. I'm driving there. Dad's driving home. We're calling at 6.30. No, call, call us on your break. When you take a break, call us and... We'll call it 6.30. Get a report That's at least. That's 4.30 there. Yeah, our eight-hour day should just be about ending. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. call you. But we'll yeah, give you, a, you should. We'll give you a ring. Even if it's at the end. We'll give you a jingle. We don't have a guest lined up for next week, so yeah. We'll give you a Jay's jingle jangle. the jangle. guest from Montana. There you go. I'm kidding. We'll give you a jingle jangle. All right. Sound good? Uh-huh. No, just Facebook Live, your release of a big brown. Oh, I hope. I hope. I can't wait. So, guys, tonight's show brought to us live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check us out at urbanflycompany.com. Tied on A-Rex Hooks. Find them at A-Rex-Hooks.com. Sims Fishing. Sims Fishing has everybody, everything for everybody out there. If you need a triple X and you're like Chad, Sims Fishing has that. If you cut your own hair, wear a dirty beard, and musky fish every weekend, they've got the Sims flannels for you. If you're a douchey trout guy like myself, go get yourself some Sims. Jace, if you're gear fishing, it doesn't matter what kind of fishing you're doing. It's going to keep you dry, keep you happy, and keep you happy and out on the water longer. Go get yourself some Sims. Simsfishing.com. I've been practicing that all week, you fuckers. That's a live read right there. That's how it's done. done. Drop that mic. Good job. Yep. (laughs) Out. Also, Predator Fly Gear. Check them guys out. PredatorFlyGear.com. Check out A-Rex Hooks. Did you do A-Rex Hooks? I did A-Rex. Why not? Why not uh, fishing? They're at the dock. And Yeti. They're built for the wild, guys. I tell you Queen what. City I Guiding d- also. Ryan yeah. Evans. Yeah. They are guiding for any species, all species. That, that gallon jug in that heat yesterday, by the end of the day, still had pile of ice in it. Yep. I leave awesome. mine in my truck for two days and it still has ice yep. in it. They're awesome. Incredible. Yeah. Awesome products from Yeti.
Uh, you need a straight who's possess. Or has it ever come?